You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 265 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I am, of course, Carl Stebbings, and joining me live in the fairly warm P2K studios this evening is my co-host, Matt Smith. Uh, well, for a very good evening. Have you, have you got over the shock that I hit you with when you walked up the stairs today? Um, what, you got everything ready in the studio? I, what, excuse me, what, what kind of a thing is that to say? A bit of a shock oh, for Carlos God, Cape the revelation. Today. Yeah, absolutely, because oh. as, as we were coming up the stairs, essentially I was discussing several things in the show notes, and it, he was a little bit shocked, ladies and gentlemen, because I have actually read the show notes. Yes, week. for the first time yeah. in 265 episodes. Hey, Matt, now, excuse me, I missed the first 38 <laughs> in my defence. Uh, All right, 230-odd <laughs> yeah. episodes. <laughs> that's read the show notes well done Matt uh, thanks thanks very much it's a proud day for, yeah. for me good you're right uh, yes I am yes absolutely Are you, have you got over the shock <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get off the subject I'm, it was you know it's kind of mind shattering uh, but you, no indeed yes I am very well I had a very 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 exciting weekend last weekend which I'll, I'll discuss uh, yeah, momentarily did, but yeah. uh, uh, good yes. week uh, yeah not bad it, well it's sort of Easter holiday so it's been quite quiet for, uh, for kids are off yeah the kids are all off mm. so uh, I've been I've been polishing my um, vehicle think yeah, <laughs> I've been family polishing, show. Polishing the uh, the the uh, the wheels uh, at work to make sure that it's all shiny and ready. They, the wheels of industry. Yeah, we've been treating treating them to a, a, a nice valet, so they're all smelling fresh and mm. not of children, which is my favourite kind of smell. No mm. children. Funnily enough, I cleaned my lorry yesterday as well. Did you? Right. Yes, get, I did. Get you still? Yeah. Never Prin- mind. Prince uh, Edward got a good clean. I beg your pardon. My lorry's called Prince Edward. That's a type of potato, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. No, okay. Right. <laughs> so, okay. anyway, quick. joining us as always this Before week we lose control <laughs> is uh, the king, the head of AV. It's Neville Bounds. Yes, hello. And it's been very warm here as well. Actually, twenty-four degrees outside today. So oh, I know. Mi- Mrs. Nev and I had a bit of a Chinese meal in the garden this afternoon. Oh, how lovely! M- minor glass of wine oh. and, um, yeah it was great actually very very nice i think the whole of the east is going to be superb actually yeah this is this um, is the thing i can't get quite get my head around isn't it because it's just like when i was looking sun? at the fur car for the forecast uh, the forecast sort of like wednesday something like that and it was sort of saying it was looking like the bank holiday weekend of which obviously there are two bank holidays the friday and the monday and it said the weather was going to be sort of mid-20s it's like i beg your pardon it's like it's the uk bank yeah. holidays are supposed to be wet and unpleasant that though those are the rules Nev aren't they exactly right uh, but uh, no it's been a bit of a hectic week again yes. at work uh, lots of driving again around the country um, but uh, I'm very grateful for the uh, the few days off I must say. I know have you got anything nice planned um, we're going to see uh, Mrs Nev's mum tomorrow Ooh, uh, in your neck of the woods um, and that's about it, actually. A bit of gardening, bits and pieces, things like that. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And probably have a picnic on, on uh, Sunday or Monday, I think. Marvellous. Sounds like fun. Marvellous, yeah. So joining us as well this week, he's uh, back with us again. And it's our awesome fourth co-host of the show. He's the guy who puts the P in pilot. 
It's Armando. <laughs> oh my wow. God, that's so embarrassing. Uh, Armando, on behalf of all listeners everywhere, I would like to apologise for that. Um, I try and think of something more original each week. Yeah, right. I love it because that evokes some uh, biological, some physiological stories from flying. I think we talked about a couple of them <laughs> a couple, couple uh, episodes ago. Oh. No, it's uh, really happy to be back here live on the show, kind of another regular week. Uh, it's been a, I've had a week to settle down after, after everything, uh, all the retirement ceremonies. So it's, it's kind of back to normal and, um, doing quite a little, quite a, quite a lot of flying. Um, Yay. got into 310. Yeah, I know. Let's see. Flew a Tobago, Tobago, Tobago. The, Is that the like tomato, to, tomato, tomato, yeah. that sort of, no. Yeah. <laughs> 50% of the list, the listenership just went, oh, Tobago, it's yeah. Tobago. And we're like, Tobago. And the other half went, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> right. So you finally the got other some half, flying. The other half are Googling it and saying, uh, what's Good point. Yeah, what's a tomato? Is, yes, is that something you put in a salad? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I must say, Armando, I'm loving the T-shirt choice this evening. Yeah. yeah. I'm representing uh, the, if, the if, old school I was going to say, if somebody could perhaps, bearing in mind this is predominantly an, an audio-based audio podcast, podcast, if somebody could just explain the visual reference. I'd Armando has <laughs> has uh, a T-shirt sporting the logo of Pan Am or Pan American. Ah, okay, very good. Yeah, yes, very good. Right. Okay. We, all, we all need um, we, all, we all need to get the aviation T-shirts. Uh, right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, did you hear that, Nev? That's a three-line whip. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think we're gonna. Yeah, that's good. And then I, I think we're, our special guest has something uh, in the background too, which is takes it back to the classic airlines. Yeah. Oh dear. Now that, all, we need, all we need is some BA retro livery in the stories this week, and we're laughing, really, aren't we? <laughs> so on that note, uh, joining us this week, our special guest. Uh, he's been on the show before, but we wanted we wanted him to come back and see us absolutely because we haven't had him on for a while. No, far too long. Far, far too, too long. long. Welcome back to the awesome Brian Coleman. Hello, 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 and I'm so used to being introduced as the Sir Brian Coleman or whatever. Right. <laughs> I know he—he's he's, yeah. kind of took me. I—I've been downgraded. I know it's all right. It's, it's, it's just like flying with United. Oh, <laughs> oh, so true. Uh, family show. Children. How are you, Brian? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be back on the show. Uh, life has been busy. Uh, haven't been f doing nearly as much flying as I've wanted to, but I do have a special airline story to share. Not sure when that's gonna gonna be in the the show plans, but I uh, did something yeah. special with my favorite airline, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We're gonna have a chat with Brian at uh, at the, at the uh, back end of the show uh, about all his experiences uh, on. Uh, well, I think it's uh, an airline that we all. And an air, aircraft that we all know as well. Um, but you've flown on the Dash 10 variant, haven't you, of the Dreamliner, Brian? I did. So I have now completed the trifecta of all three of them <laughs> under my yeah. belt. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll have a good old chat later about uh, what Brian's been up to uh, in regards to that. Okay, good. So uh, a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Loads of uh, famous uh, names in there, as always, including a special 
uh, someone who's joined us this evening because it's someone that I actually work with. Oh, so no. a big welcome, <laughs> <laughs> a big welcome to uh, Steve White, who's uh, joined us in the chat room this evening. I actually do work with Steve; he's awesome. He's a top bloke. Have I met and, Steve? Uh, no, we don't. We had the road trip to Birmingham. Oh, NC that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So hello to you, Steve. Uh, we've also got uh, Jenny in Rome. Hello to you, Jenny. Oh. We've got uh, Paul Tricker. Tanya's in there. Uh, Auntie Liz over in Canada. Hello to you, Auntie Liz. Doctor Steph is also in the chat room this week. Hopefully she's not listening uh, in her Jeep while she's driving, although she would be using Bluetooth if she uh, was. Of course, absolutely. Uh, we've, uh, we've got Owen. Owen's in the chat room as well tonight, so hello to you, Owen, as well. Hope you are well and uh, enjoying your flying uh, career. And, uh, yeah, a big welcome to everyone who's joining us watching the show this evening. It is the 19th of April, and uh, just know. coming up to 10 past 7 in the evening here in the UK on a sunny Day, I might add again. And uh, yeah, welcome to everyone who's joined us. We've got loads to get through on the show tonight, loads of great news stories, and obviously we're going to have a chat with Brian at uh, the end of the show about his experiences with the Dreamliner. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news. No, we're around. Oh, no, I'm just kind of trying uh, to catch okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to hand things over to... Did you get worried then, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I've been frantically pressing buttons for I saw, like minutes. I saw, I saw Matt load up the, load up the, the uh, Patreon in the thing, and I thought, right. oh, shall I catch you, mate? Not, yeah. yeah he, you, oh, are so, you are so lying. Oh, no. <laughs> so we are going to hand things over, because it is the beginning of the month, and we're going to hand is things it? over to... Is well, it? It's the 19th of April. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's at the beginning of yeah, the month. Yeah, but a certain company was a bit late this month in... in oh, uh, yes, they were yes. a bit slow bit off the mark. So, Nev, were, yes, what's absolutely. been going on in the world of Patreon? Well, the Patreon, of course, is your way of contributing to some of the costs that we have on the show here. And uh, we always uh, read out all of the... Uh, people that have contributed and this month it is adam spink adrian meacham andrew wilson captain jeff eric graves evan shoe graham haley jeff ward jonathan warner jordan rose liz piper masher matt caton matt donemeyer matt Martin frame myler owen neil ranmorn nick anderson nico regger uh, philip Lane, ray williams Ruben Wells, Brian Harper, Stuart Backer, Stephanie Plummer, Steve Andres, and Stuart Black. And uh, also a contribution from Jenny in Rome, which we uh, thank everybody very much indeed for. It's been uh, absolutely marvellous. And uh, your pledges are very important for uh, the, the continuity of the show. So thanks ever so much to everybody for contributing. And also, we need to say a quick mention as well. We had a donation today from Carl Lake. We did, So a yes. big thanks to Carl for we his did. donation. Mm. Uh, he, he used the original PayPal method to, uh, to donate yeah. to the show. So thanks to you, Carl, for that. And uh, hopefully uh, I'm going to get in contact with Carl probably tomorrow. And uh, we're going to yeah. arrange for a visit, uh, hopefully, to Norwich International oh, very, very Airport. Okay. Well, at least it's, at least it's not uh, London Norwich. No, to be, be grateful for that at least for a little uh, chat. So I'll have a chat with uh, with uh, Carl tomorrow. So actually, before we before we move on to uh, to do the uh, the aviation mm. uh, commercial news stuff, actually, uh, I just want to sort of say, actually, I I, I had a, a very nice day uh, Sunday. Just gone, uh, had a little trip down to go and see uh, our everybody's favourite cabin crew, which was nice because they were doing a, a layover at Stansted, which is nice. So I went and saw Owen. Uh, we then went and had because uh, I had. My 
Myla with me for the weekend as well. She stayed here. So uh, actually she cooked uh, an absolutely delicious meal. Uh, and I apologise in advance if I say this incorrectly. It was something called Bubu Bali. <laughs> Don't, thanks, Carlos. That's very grown up of you. Uh, <laughs> it was right. Everybody, Google it now. It's Boo Bali. Googling it, now. and it was absolutely uh, delicious. It was well. You had it. You know, yeah, exactly I had it. It was, it was very was nice. Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was sort of like creamy and uh, and that kind of thing. So Myla, bless her, she came all the way over here and basically cooked for us all, which was uh, very very nice. Uh, poor Nev could sort of hear us uh, downstairs, couldn't you? <laughs> we were so busy cooking. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that was quite nice, but. Uh, uh, and off the back of that, we then went and we went and met up with uh, Owen for the day, and we went uh, and also um, a, a, another friend of the show, chap by the name of uh, Jonathan Warner. He also joined us, and uh, yeah, we, we had a wander around Duxford, which was nice. We had a good day doing that, uh, but only I could go to an aviation museum and find something far more interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have to be honest. And uh, yes, this this is the picture here. Uh, I, in fact, actually, I, I wonder if we ought to save this for a Christmas competition uh, because uh, Jonathan's face is an absolute picture here uh there we go look it's <laughs> it's uh, sorry i should just explain to so uh, essentially the the photograph is of, of an art uh, don't tell me what i don't i don't know what sort of bus it is that's behind me uh, but it's an old school proper old school like wooden frames and everything uh, bus that's behind um uh, with jonathan warner essentially rolling his eyes at me uh, i think i think it was, was blakey on there <laughs> I'll get you, Butler. I'll get you, yeah, Butler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there we are. That's that's most of the audience. Lost. Lots of the listeners yeah. around the world going, "What are they yeah, on about? What on earth is oh, that?" Yeah. Yes. There was a marvelous program which I must admit I did rather like. That was called um, "On the Buses," mm. and uh, Blakey was the conductor, wasn't it? But, uh, <laughs> there we are. Oh, yes, I, I assume you. I'm sure you're. Are you? Are you just old enough to remember it, Nev? Oh, very much so. Yes, <laughs> uh, along with "Bless This House" and oh. uh, other other programs that were on ITV on a Tuesday night yeah. or whatever. Time. Rising damp, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. But uh, yes, yeah, so a lovely day was had on uh, on on Sunday, and then I and then I ran Milo back to East Midlands Airport. So I had oh, quite, a day good. Good. Day's day's <laughs> quite a day driving. I had quite a day driving. Did you right take there. the uh, Smithmobile? Uh, I did take the Smithmobile. Oh, right, I okay. have to confess, I may have made a small... Oh, and uh, sorry, Lisa and Lee uh, were there as well. That's terrible. Sorry, <laughs> two of my best friends. And I've forgotten them as well. <laughs> Oops, never mind. Lisa and Lee were also there. Uh, <laughs> you wait, the text messages will come in now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we, we had a, an amazing day at Duxford. I have to confess, I may have made a small boob uh, going down to Duxford from... Because I've, in my defence, I'd never gone to Duxford from London before. Uh, so I did it sort of like on autopilot, essentially, because it's just off the A11. You see, you just come off the A11 onto the 505. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> Lee's, yeah, Lee's just saying uh, not to mention the detail. I'm, I'm coming to that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I may have sort of basically, because I come from London, I'd never done it before, and sort of came off the M11 onto the A11, sort of heading to it. It wasn't really until I got to Newmarket that I'd made a... A wrong turn. So, uh, yeah, there we are. It's, uh, you know, don't, don't ever get on a coach if I'm driving, I think, is the long and the short. Well, I'll probably get lost. <laughs> but, Matt, you are on an island, so you can't get that lost, right? <laughs> well, yeah. There, yes. Yes, that, 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 is, that is an option. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. Take that. Put right, that in I'll your pipe. No, no, put that in your pipe, Lee, and smoke it. <laughs> what are you doing? He's looking it up on Google over here. Like, no, I'm not. You I'm are. Not. You're looking how far I've lost. I no, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm watching the chat room because Pip's, uh, Pip's... You are these. not watching the chat room. You're an absolute... I can see your screen from here. Yeah, I'm looking at Ludham Airstrip. 
Just seeing where Ludham is, because Pip apparently oh, yeah, Pip's no, it, flying to Ludham Airfield tomorrow. Yes, uh, but it, Ludham Airfield is not very near to Bewilderwood, which is where he's going. So. No, he's um, it's a bit up north. Yeah, yeah, north, yeah. North it's going to have to be a taxi job, I think. Anyway, that's anyway, nothing to do with... Moving uh, swiftly on, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yes. And if you're ready, Nev. Yes, certainly. Armando. Ready to go. And Brian. As never. I mean ever. <laughs> Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story, and this one is on the Fox Network. And it's foxnews.com. And uh, Japanese airline lands test flight of new aircraft in Hawaii. So All Nippon Airways, or Al Nippon, All Nippon, ANA, if you want to call it that, has completed a test flight of a new wide-bodied aircraft with its arrival in Hawaii. The Japanese airline completed the first of two tests when the Airbus A380, uh, named Flying Honu, touched down Wednesday at Daniel K. Inouye International Airport in Honolulu, according to the news reports. The four-engine jet arrived from Tokyo's Narita International Airport at around 7.45am, followed by a blessing ceremony for the aircraft uh, that was painted to look like a giant turtle. The test flight carried two pilots, three airline employees, and three passengers from the Japan Civil Aviation Bureau, the equivalent of the FAA. The State Department of Transportation said it's very happy, and Hawaii's largest airport is the 11th in the U.S., and that's able to accommodate the double-decker aircraft, which will seat around 520 passengers. It is double-decker. You have to be able to uh, use a jet bridge on the second and third levels of the aircraft. Actually, it's probably only second level, actually. I can't there's three decks on the A380, but there you go. <laughs> uh, the weather test was another step towards uh, ANA's uh, 2020 goal. Were you goal. actually asking me a question like that? No, I know. That was very silly. Of doubling the number of <laughs> seats on flights connecting Honolulu and Tokyo, the airline currently offers three daily flights between the cities on 787 aircraft, which carry between uh, 200 to 250 passengers. Honu, Hawaii's green sea turtle, was chosen for the aircraft's name to symbolize good fortune and prosperity and the company support of Hawaii conservation efforts the airline has said now this is again this is one of the destinations I this is on my bucket list Hawaii I'd love to fly to Hawaii um, it always sounds um, so it's, it sounds so sort of um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for it just sounds so exotic doesn't it it's mm. uh, but it's good news for uh, Airbus as well I assume we, the beaches are quite good in Hawaii oh the beaches are pretty <laughs> good yeah <laughs> but, but no we, uh, we've run so many stories about obviously uh, the the A380 kind of um, Sort of going away, dying a mm. death as such, but at least yeah. uh, at least there are airlines still, you know. Well, that's true. Having that a few true. new ones yeah, every yeah, now yeah. and again, so it's good news. And Carlos, did you hear about here in the states that Southwest Airlines is now flying to Hawaii and as part of the big ceremony that they had when the first seven thirty seven landed, it got laid on the island. They put a giant lay around the nose of the aircraft. It was it, it was quite pretty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a Hawaiian tradition. It is. Yes, the lay is, yeah. Yeah. 
And and I think Matt just had a heart attack. <laughs> I just, I just, I yeah, you know, that. sometimes we wonder why it is that we have an adult rating on Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, don't, I don't anymore. I really don't. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad that Armando's keeping up with the administration yeah. work. Anyway, moving swiftly on to the next story. And Matt, this is, uh, of course, a Ryanair story for you, as always. But this just feeds on your love of tech because... This is a bit techie. It is, absolutely. This is on the Mail Online, uh, obviously, which is where I recommend nobody goes for their aviation-related news stories. Uh, the headline is, Ryanair launches new feature on its app that lets passengers size up their bags before they fly. So Ryanair has launched a new bag-sizing tool that allows passengers to check if their luggage is small enough for the cabin before they even leave home. The Dublin-based No Frills airline has introduced the feature on its mobile app, which allows passengers to scan their bags using their phone's camera. Using the scan, the tool then tells passengers if their bag will fit under the seat or will need to go in an overhead bin or be checked into the hold. Uh, the technology works by placing a bag on a flat surface and pointing the phone's camera at the piece of luggage. Holding down the scan button, passengers must move their phone around the bag, taking in the front, back, sides and top. The app works out the bag's dimensions using mapping software. It then indicates whether any fees will need to be paid. Earlier this year, EasyJet became the first airline in the UK to offer a bag sizing feature on its phone app. Speaking at the time, EasyJet said that if used correctly, passengers won't be faced with any additional charges at the gate for bringing an oversized cabin bag. Ryanair's baggage policy often comes under fire for being too confusing. Uh, in February, Ryanair was hit with a €3 million, Euro, that's £2.6 million pounds in sterling fine over its misleading cabin baggage policy i think in fairness to ryanair actually i think it's more they keep changing it i don't you don't you don't know what the rules are because it changed from when you last time when you flew last anyway the low-cost airline was slapped with the penalty by italy's uh, an, uh, antitrust authority in relation to its new cabin baggage rules introduced late last year however the fine was later suspended in lieu of a definitive ruling on the issue uh, so yes it's uh I, 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 I don't know. I almost feel I want to have a go at this. I mean, yeah, how I'm accurate can it be? I'm tempted to download I mean, this app and try it? it. Yeah. Well, you, you downloading a Ryanair app, Carlos? Yeah, I, I, well, I've, 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 I've used them. I've used them. I will right. use them. Okay. Be, yeah. but, uh, I'm just wondering if they could use them for the passengers as well. <laughs> you know, just scan the passenger and get the accurate Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do well in, in that <laughs> scenario, I have to be honest. It's just, I, the seat will cost me twice as much. Uh, Nev, I can't ever imagine a scenario ever where you may end up on a Ryanair aircraft. I, I, I just can't see it. They don't fly from City for a start. <laughs> well, no, but uh, I have done that before. I think I flew, where did I go? Luton to Cork, or was it uh, Kerry, I think it was. Right, oh, long distance then. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the past. Um, but that was before the all the, the big um, baggage restrictions as well. So it's a, a different, you know, different game now. Different ball game, yeah. What, what do you think about this bit of tech then, Nev? Scanning well, the bag. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I can just see if it's because the trouble is this is now a sort of absolute pass fail scenario, isn't it? Yeah. And if your luggage is very slightly outside of where it should be, uh, then you're going to get hit with a charge, aren't you? Um, mm. So there's uh, very little room for discretion here, I, I would suggest. 
Yeah, yeah, there is that. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if, um, I, and also, uh, what if that? What if the app has worked it out wrong? I presume final discretion is down to the handling agent, you know, on on the gate. I mean, I'm assuming um, there is a slim possibility that it's worked it out wrong, and <laughs> or you'll get someone who says, "Well, look, my app says it's okay." Well, well, this is this is the, yeah. the scenario that I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, how accurate is it actually going to be? I mean, that that's my worry. Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Download the app, Matt, and give it a try. Moving on to the next story, Nev, uh, a, a nice little BA one for you. It is, yes, on the simpleflying.com, and uh, quite a good font, actually. I'll give the fonts a, a bold uh, 8 out of 10, <laughs> Oh, very good. For, for, for readability, so that, that's good. Um, and it says that British Airways opted for Boeing 777X aircraft, over more A380s. Uh, recently, new information has come to light on British Airways' decision to purchase Boeing 777X aircraft as part of its wide-body fleet renewal. It turns out that Airbus actually pitched the A380 to British Airways, but was utterly turned down as it would be too expensive to reconfigure the aircraft to hold the new BA Club World seats. Well, when British Airways were looking for a new aircraft for their fleet to replace their aging 747s and future-proof any loss of A380s, they asked Boeing and Airbus for their best ideas. Boeing pitched the latest long-haul aircraft, which is the Boeing 777X, uh, with its long-range, large capacity and utilisation of technologies uh, that make the Boeing 787 Dreamliner so efficient. It was an excellent choice and a hard one to beat. But uh, Airbus, however, decided to offer something a bit less orthodox. They offered British Airways a mixed fleet of A380s, some new and some retired from other airlines, particularly Middle Eastern ones like Qatar or Emirates, um, that they would help source. Uh, they would have the space on board to allow BA to be creative with their new Club World offering. They might have been able to go as far as offering bars and showers to their premium guests, but British Airways eventually decided on 42 777-9s made up of 18 firm orders and 24 options. These would go on to replace their 747 and 777 fleets. However, it turns out that the Airbus proposal was not even close to being considered by British Airways. Uh, the problem, as it turns out, is that the physical renovating and reconfiguring of the interior of the aircraft, even if the A380s were free of charge, they would be incredibly expensive to retrofit uh, in the region of 30 to $50 million per aircraft. Uh, imagine <clears throat> that we find a suitable used, relatively new A380 whose owners don't want it anymore. Think uh, Malaysian, think Emirates, think Lufthansa, said uh, Alex Cruz, who's the uh, chief exec of British Airways. Imagine that they give it to us at a really reasonable price. Everything breaks down the moment you start thinking about the inside of the aircraft. To put that into a lease rate, all of a sudden it takes the aircraft completely out of the market. Uh, British Airways has not ruled out acquiring more A380s, however, explaining that it comes down to whether or not they can afford it. If we were able to find some formula in which we could take more, we would. Uh, we haven't been able to do so uh, said Alex Cruz. So, uh, yeah, it's all about the configuration of the aircraft, obviously the operating costs as well, uh, with a four-engined aircraft, um, and also um, getting it into certain airports as well, because not obviously not every airport that BA fly to uh, can accept. Because they, they do a lot of stuff out of city, gates. don't they, if memory serves. Is that right? 
Uh, well, they're not going to get an A380 yet. Well, no, this, definitely is, kind, this is kind uh, of where I was going. Or a 777, I don't think. No, okay, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, so I, I think it's all about how the stands are configured. And also, if you think about the uh, the terminal uh, the configuration itself, you know, the um, the parts where you get onto the plane, the, the lounge, the, the mm. gate itself, um, you know, it, on aircraft which seats over 400 people potentially, then that's a problem in itself. So, um, mm. yeah, I think probably uh, the 777X range is, is going to be the way for BA to go products, I think. Those new Club World seats, Nev, look, um, look nice. I like mm, the, They I like do, the and I'm hopefully going to try, uh, try one of those out in uh, July when we go to see Liz <coughs> in Toronto. Ooh. I hope it's all uh, be, been configured by then. Um, so uh, that'll be nice. Um, hey, Nev, but what yeah, do you think knows? about BA's choice over... Um, taking away your shower and giving you the club world seat it, I mean, really well, which would you rather have as a passenger being able to to sit up front or up top or wherever they put the, <laughs> the first class cabin on the the uh yes where, where is, I, 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 I mean really it seems like they're they're taking away some features for the benefit of cramming a few more seats in I'd like to be smelly and comfortable. I think that's all I'd like to do. So I think that the, well, there's an image. Yes, the, the club world seat uh, would would suit me quite nicely. But of course, this is the problem, isn't it? And you've got to remember, as you well know, Brian, that uh, the only time the airlines make money is in their premium cabins. So the business class mm -hmm. and the first class cabins are the only areas where they're going to make money, not in the uh, in the cheap seats down the back. So they've, they've got to try and do their very best for their passengers. But um, of course, you'd never know how these things are going to pan out until they've been in service for six or nine months. Mm, true. And, and only then can you really tell what the load factors are going to be and uh, and what's going to happen. But uh, they, they've been a bit behind the curve recently. Obviously, the, the aging 747s are getting on a bit and even some of the original 777 aircraft mm. uh, who, the, the ones that haven't had a refit so i think it's this is a good time to, to look forward to, to new things from ba so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they configure their new uh, new aircraft mm. Mm. so moving on armando uh, yeah, another tech story actually for you yeah that's right this one is from theverge.com and it says, uh, U.S. facial recognition will cover 90% of departing airline passengers within four years. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security says it, it expects to use facial recognition technology on about 90% of departing passengers within the next four years. The system, which involves photographing passengers before they board their flight, first started rolling out in 2017 and was operational in 15 U.S. airports by the end of 2018. So the facial recognition system works by photographing passengers at their departure gate. It then cross-references this photograph against a library populated with face images from visa and passport applications, as well as those taken by border agents when foreigners enter the country. The aim of the system is to offer biometric exit, which gives authorities as good of an idea as possible as to who's leaving the country as to who's entering. It also allows them, allows them to identify people who have overstayed their visas. Uh, U.S. authorities have traditionally relied on airline flight manifests to track who's leaving the country. Uh, since the introduction of the current system, facial recognition identified 7,000 passengers who overstayed their visas and on the 15,000 flights tracked. 
let's see, U.S. Customs Border Patrol, uh, Border Protection estimates over 600,000 people overstay their visas every year, an offense that carries a maximum penalty of a 10-year ban from entering the U.S. And then, of course, the critics argue that building up a database of millions of people's photographs is a threat to civil liberties. Once you have that database, it would be easy to share it with other agencies, effectively turning it into a search tool for all law enforcement. Um, yeah, so this is this is something that I think has been coming. It's inevitable that it, that it'll be here, right? So I think uh, cameras are everywhere now, you know, and we look to, I did a lot of research on this uh, when I was doing my schoolwork, my university work, where we looked to Europe for security measures in the way they've integrated their CCTV and facial recognition and behavioral recognition programs with um, databases of known bad actors. So now this is just personal opinion, but the the government and the systems, they don't have the bandwidth to just compare everybody. So you have to be on a list. Mm. You have to be put on a list by someone for... There's, there's got to be a reason for them looking for looking out for you, essentially. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, your image just gets uh, binned, from, from what I understand. And um, now that's still, you know, in the U.S., I think we're still getting used to CCTV, things that you guys, especially in the U.K., but in Europe, have been doing for years and years and years. Um, we're very much still trying to get used to this balance between security and civil liberties. So, but I, I think in the aviation industry, it it's inevitable that it'll be here, and and maybe you'll even tack on more biometrics. You know, fingerprints are are here, so you you add facial and you add voice recognition, and and um, you know you eliminate the the need to show your passport, show your ID, or anything. That the system will just let you on the airplane. Mm. When you think most smartphones have facial recognition now for unlock, okay, don't they? But it's a little bit unreliable still. That's my only concern. Oh, I never have any issues. <laughs> <laughs> although, although, just, just although Armando <laughs> did have quite an extensive beard a few weeks back, and now he's not got the beard. Well, I don't know. I, in one week, it's come back prettily impressively. Yeah. I have to be. I have to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I should be I should be back to normal where the TSA cameras shouldn't recognize me by <laughs> three weeks. Yeah, at least, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. Put the heist on hold till then. Yeah, anyway, right. moving on to the next story, Brian, it's uh it's your favorite airline. It is, and there's a bit of an issue as I guess there is with the uh, airline as well. I actually have two URLs for the same story. One story is dated April 18th and the other April 2nd because the URL you gave me didn't work so I searched for it myself. And Do you want me to go through the story from the 18th or the 2nd? Oh, uh, oh, okay. 18th. Um, yeah, the 18th is, 18th? is, is we'll, the one. We'll go yeah. with the updated? Yeah. Okay. Fingers crossed. And it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just want to make sure the show notes match what I'm talking about, but eh, accuracy. You are literally cares? the only person that cares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm over it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Carl, oh, the look Carlos just gave me then. Oh, my goodness. I've, uh, Carlos has just curdled milk. That's what he's done. <laughs> anyway, yes, do, do carry on. <laughs> Brian's frozen. Oh no! Did we lose him? 
Brian's frozen. Oh, bro, Brian. oh that's all right. <laughs> He's frozen in rather an interesting. Well, I panic because Nev froze at the same time, but that was only that was only a brief um, sort of thing. Oh dearie me. Oh oh no. Brian is frozen. Oh dear. Who's going to do the story now then? So <laughs> Brian's story, whilst we okay. try and get Brian back, yeah, was uh, okay. United Airlines' new livery reveal set for next Wednesday. United Airlines will be revealing a new livery on the twenty fourth of April, according to a statement put by United. Uh, uh, not the same leaked livery from a few weeks ago, it says here. This leaves us with a bit of guessing uh, as to what United's new livery will look like. Uh, so, the Globe. We all know that United has the Globe on the back. So, United Airlines inherited their current Globe livery after their merger with Continental Airlines. The new post-merger livery at the time was barely discernible from the one used by Continental. This undoubtedly saves costs while repainting aircraft, in addition to being an easy replacement for United's older Tulip livery. Furthermore, much of the new United Airlines took on elements from Continental Airlines, including Continental CEO Jeff Smith. Isaac. And uh, yeah, aside from United and a slightly more vibrant blue tail fin, United took this livery from Continental. Needless to say, this new livery didn't really strike a chord of brand recognition in the same way as United's Tulip. Uh, the Globe was justified as a way to highlight United's global footprint uh, that keeps expanding, and now it seems that United is looking to get a new visual identity to help build their brand recognition. The most recent change to their livery was uh, the new Swoop with their new 787 and 737 MAX aircraft. United introduced a Swoop livery. This modified livery saw a gold stripe that flows along the aircraft instead of cutting straight across in a line. So the Tulip, United's pre-merged livery, was cordially referred to as the Tulip. Uh, when United merged from bankruptcy in the mid-2000s, they introduced a brand new livery to mark the start of a new chapter in their history. They decided to keep the tulip because of a brand recognition. In fact, compared to the grey battleship livery, uh, the rising blue tulip emphasised the tulip on their tail fin. Uh, this new livery also had a coordinated colour scheme of blue, white and small hints of red retained from past years. However, with the end of United and the start of United Continental, the tulip saw its end. So what's next. United could revi uh, revive the Tulip. Many frequent flyers recall the Tulip and it still has a strong brand association with United. On the other hand, United has been doing quite a bit of uh, reworking on the colour scheme. Uh, for starters, United has introduced a Pacific Purple into their colour scheme with their new Premium Plus seats featuring a purple colour. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see the same purple introduced into their new colour scheme. Uh, for now, we eagerly await April the 24th, 2019. So it'll be interesting to well, see. Well, Brian is back, so perhaps I'm we back. should ask him for comments. <laughs> yeah, Hello, <absolutely>. Brian. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, con a conspiracy by United. Yeah, they, they just didn't, didn't like want it. me talking about nope, them. Absolutely. It's because, you, you know, you're their most loyal customer. They, they were so, worried so, you might not like it, Brian. So come on, Brian. Well, <laughs> what's your, do you I, think I they need a rebrand? I, 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 I think I am phenomenally loyal. Um, there might be a bit of an issue over my opinion over... Uh, or, you know, I'm fairly vocal, um, both good and bad with them. Uh, I was sad to see the Tulip go. Mm. The Globe was, I think, a nice uh, thing to be incorporated into it. I've seen some of the uh, prototypes or leaked photos. There's one in particular that picks up the purple that I thought was actually really nice, and it ties in nicely with their 
new premium economy class, uh, the seats that they have there. Mm. Um, uh, other changes that I've seen from the leaked photos, there really wasn't much of a change. I, I wish that they would have spent more time doing something a, a little bit more drastic than, than what they've done. So, yeah, so uh, it seems to be a bit of a touch-up as opposed to a makeover. I, and I've been frantically scouring to see if I can find any sort of hint of of the. Um, no, I couldn't uh, the, find the thing. I mean, I, I found the leak ones, but I'm not going to publish those because obviously they they do say at the top of this story essentially that they are um, they are not the one. You know, none of those leaked ones are are the livery they're going to. Mm. I mean, I know we've only got to go wait till Wednesday, but uh, yeah, it's I, I actually I I found this uh, the the on on the story here actually I do really like the tulip. Um, the is, old the old, yeah. old school yeah the old school United livery yeah I, yeah. I quite like that. And the battleship gray was just so incredibly dark and depressing. <laughs> and it, but I, seriously, both inside and out, it was right. just a terrible color scheme, and it did not age well at, at all. Anyone that's been around aircraft that are painted in a dark color know that over time it, it, they just fade terribly. And it, it, uh, I hated the the battleship color scheme. However, if you're Jonathan Warner, probably very excited about the fact that he was yeah, mili gray. military gray. Military but, gray. Uh, <laughs> there we are. Uh, Nev, but, what do you, what do you uh, reckon uh, about... I'm uh, sorry, as you can see over my shoulder, the United Vacations uh, tell. The, the color, um, the, I, I always like that color scheme, so I really hope that they, they'll bring something like that back, but they probably won't because the, uh, just the, the retro... Look, I'll, they'll do a plane here and there, but I don't think they'll bring it back entirely. Yeah, I yeah, mean, like I mean when, I, when I used to work for United Airlines as a teenager at, at Dulles Airport, it was that orange, red, and and blue, and that was kind of a class. I'm with Brian. I, I missed a tulip, but uh, as he was reading the story, or as Carlos was reading the story, the I looked up some of the retro or the vintage United mm -hmm. Airlines. And there is a red, white, and blue with some stars. It kind of reminds me of uh, Evil Knievel, sort of Captain America. <laughs> Look, I, I posted a link to it in the chat room, and it's uh, really Ooh, pretty. That, I would on. love to see that come back. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So while Matt's looking at, it, but Brian, do you want to take? Uh, yeah. Do you want to take the next story, Ben, since you missed your one? No, I'm done. Oh, okay. I, I've, I've I've talked enough. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So the next story. <laughs> the next story. Moving on is uh, on the new on the NJ.com website, uh, which uh, is True Jersey. So I'm guessing that's New Jersey. And uh, the headline. Uh, well, this is um, interesting to say the least. Matt will bring up the pictures, no doubt. Oh, will he? Oh, uh, right. Mexico-bound okay. <laughs> airline I'm, passenger. I'm too busy looking at uh, United old liveries, oh, to the be old, honest. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, quite good. absolutely. So yeah. Mexico-bound airline passenger wraps gun in an aluminium, floor, uh, aluminium foil. I beg your pardon, or, for our American listeners, aluminium foil. Oh, please. And, uh, Thank hides, you. Oh, no. Hides it inside <laughs> a DVD player. Hang on, hang on. Is that, is that, Nev, please comment on that. I, uh, what? Aluminium. <laughs> Oh, no, the, the DVD player bit, presumably, you're okay. talking about. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, no, I, I meant the aluminum, but anyway, there we are. So, oh, so I see. Aluminium. Oh, yeah. How dare you, honestly. No, we, we, we schedule our meetings with aluminum. No, pardon? No. <laughs> well, you say schedule all funny as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I figure we just schedule. Schedule, schedule. I know we haven't finished the story yet, but yes, carrying the <laughs> DVD player through the airport would be sub suspicious in itself <laughs> yes yes yeah. absolutely yeah. i mean i mean when did they last do portable dvd players nev uh, 
Oh, I think you could probably still buy them. In fact, Can we've you? just supplied some to uh, one of our clients uh, over in uh, North uh, Africa, actually. Um, yeah, I think but, that tells uh, its own yeah, story, Nev, if I'm honest. But, but that's probably, yeah, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It'll be eight yeah. tracks next. Anyway. Yeah, uh, the what? Yeah. yeah. You Beat don't even know what an eight track is. Oh, do I you? do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Anyway, Beat Max. Yeah, um, <laughs> anyway, Brian, finish the story. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Anyway, yeah. a passenger, a passenger was uh, arrested on Sunday after hiding her gun, a gun inside a DVD player uh, packed inside his checked bag at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport. The Transportation Security Administration, or the TSA, agents found the nine mil handgun wrapped in aluminium foil Uh, when it triggered an alarm and they opened the bag the agency said on Thursday the TSA notified Port Authority police who found the man waiting at a gate to catch a flight to Mexico officers arrested the uh, Elmhurst New York resident on weapons charges the man's name and age were not immediately available and uh, well that's about all they say on the story but um, it's safe to say that if you're going to Try and hide a handgun. I mean, I mean, I can I mean, think of better I things mean, than. There we are. We've got, the, we've got the picture up on the screen at the moment. Look, I mean, there, there is. Um, <laughs> I dare say, as that went through some kind of scanner, somebody must have gone bananas to see that and just thought, "What the actual is going on?" Like it was just like. That was is is that a DVD of... player in your pl- pocket? Or are you pleased to see me? Well, yes. indeed, yeah, it may well be. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, wasn't it? Wasn't but, it but, the, uh... Hey, how small was that gun in order to fit in a DVD player? Or was it a boombox from the eighties? Hey, now come on! I had hey. one of those. They were amazing. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. It's uh, we, we appear to have an unexpected special guest, by the way, um, which uh, I, d- I don't know. Um, Armando, who, who, Maddie. Who, yeah, who have you got with you there? That's right. This is Maddie over here. Hi, Maddie. <gasps> Hi, Maddie. Oh, oh! It's fallen out. There we go. Oh no! no, oh, that, oh, no, no fair enough. It. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's star, a star man on the screen scared her. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. That that would be daddy. That's that's worrying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We, anyway, what but, what do you reckon about have... this? Before we move on, Armando, this story with uh, foil wrapped nine mil hand pistols. Yeah. So this is a terrible idea. And wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I found out. The eight strangest things that TSA has found in checked or uh, carry-on luggage. A python in a hard drive. Pardon? Freddy, Freddy Krueger's hand. R- uh, right. Wedding-themed hand grenades. Wedding-themed? <laughs> Is that for a quick drugs. divorce? That's drugs a- hidden <laughs> inside of a knife. Wow. <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll label you to cut your coke easier. I know, right? Like somebody, somebody actually thought, you know what? The drugs are bad. I should hide it in a knife. They'll never find that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they'd be <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, Nev, this does vaguely sound like some kind of story that um, Captain Al would sort of be involved in for some reason. I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm thinking yes, of him. Does, yeah, yeah, absolutely, hiding it in snacks. <laughs> But I think that there's um, there must there must be some great stories that never make it yeah. into the media about the th- things that people have uh, found mm. trying to smuggle through uh, security. I'd, I'd love to to meet some of these people and, and have a chat with them off the record, of course. Of course, yes. It puts a whole new meaning to a, to a file in a cake at a prison, you know. Y- yes, mm. yes. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean that is old school. 
A file in a cake? Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I don't know, I've been watching Porridge all day. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So moving on swiftly to the next story. And uh, Matt. Oh, it's um, my girl. Uh, it? Oh, it's, it's, neck. Oh. <laughs> it's, obvi- it's obviously, we're, we're going back to going back to Ryanair again, actually, oh, for this story. Oh, right. But uh, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's an important story because it relates to, uh, obviously, what's been in the news for the last uh, few months. So. Uh, yes, indeed. So this is on Market Watch. Uh, marketwatch.com is the website. And the headline uh, from the Wall Street Journal is... Is that uh, Ryanair to require extra simulator training for uh, Boeing 737 MAX pilots? Um, Europe's biggest low cost airline, Ryanair Holdings PLC, um, <laughs> has got. It's like. It's, this website's got like the actual numbers involved of like whether it's up or down on, on, the, on the market at the, the moment, which yeah. is a bit distracting. Anyway, they're moving. That's slightly stressful. But is, is it because we're mentioning Ryanair, therefore the it stocks are going is, yeah. down? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Europe's biggest <laughs> low cost airline, Ryanair Holdings PLC, plans to put pilots of its Boeing. Boeing 737 MAX jets through extra simulator training, according to people familiar with the carrier's thinking. Uh, the uh, the latest airline to take additional safety measures to, related to the troubled plane. American Airlines Group um, is uh, devising extra training scenarios for its 737 pilots, the Wall Street Journal reported earlier this week, while Canada's Transport Minister, minister said that the country would require pilots flying the jet to spend time in simulators. The Moves come after two of the Boeing um, planes crashed in recent months, which killed a total of 346 people on board the airline, spurring the worldwide grounding of the MAX fleet. Accident investigators have implicated uh, an automated anti-stall system in both crashes. Ethiopian Airlines, the operator of the most recent jet to crash in March, said it would mandate uh, simulator time for its MAX pilots and has already taken delivery of a MAX simulator. Um, Indonesia, where a line airplane uh, crashed in October, also uh, is requiring MAX pilots to use those training devices. Pilots typically haven't trained in dedicated MAX simulators because regulators had determined it handled like the earlier 737 models. Mm. Uh, Boeing is working on a fix to the automated anti-stall feature, which hopes uh, will, which it hopes will be approved by the Federal Aviation Administration in the coming weeks. The FAA has determined that the proposed training requirements associated with those pending changes don't require simulator training for the pilots. The journal the journal previously reported that the changes had been made tentative, the changes that have been made have been tentatively approved. Boeing chief executive Dennis Muhlenberg said in a video posted on his Twitter account Wednesday that the company had completed 120 max test flights, uh, logging more than 203 hours with the fix. We are making steady progress towards certifica- certification. Um, he said engineering flight tests by Boeing of the updated software were completed this week with certification flights due next week. Now, the it's, only thing that worries me a little bit about this story, perhaps, uh, um, I, I don't know, I suppose the only one even vaguely qualified to answer this for me perhaps is Armando, but uh, I, I worry how well in a simulator you are going to be able to simulate the incident that occurred and mm. i presume obviously these new simulators do have this updated software built in obviously i mean that's obviously a, a fairly straightforward thing to do but I, I i don't know how well you could um yeah. replicate what happened so i think you will be able to and um 
so when when a accident investigation happens and and finally concludes and the final reports come out that's the intent of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions of dollars on an accident investigation no matter how major or minor it is is so you can replicate it and then train the pilots in order to avoid the same thing so obviously having two mishaps that are very similar is going to drive a trend in the training and this is it, it the the simulator producers you know whether it's flight safety or CAE or, or any of those big um, companies that 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 run these simulators they will update the software in conjunction with or in co collaboration with Boeing right um, in it and also the airline so so it it will be a very realistic I anticipate it will be a very realistic training scenario that they will and and um, the story goes on to say that Southwest Airlines and United are do not intend on incorporating additional uh, simulator oh. training for this. So I think each airline is going to take their own approach based on their confidence in their pilots, their training programs or recurrency programs. Um, but really what this story tells me is um, it's like, I think we mentioned it at some point. It's when, when Toyota had that stumble, um, and they lost a, a huge amount of, of uh, their worth. This, this to me shows the airline's commitment to the platform. Right. So mm. nobody expects the the max to go away or any orders to be canceled in, in these bigger lines like Ryanair, mm. uh, United, and, and Southwest. They're they're just waiting it out, seeing how they can improve the training and then how to best integrate it into their right. fleets. I mean, is there a scenario, I mean, if this fix has proved um, to have solved the issue uh, that was certainly highlighted by these two awful incidences, is the additional training necessary? Because presumably the craft is going to behave perhaps a little bit more how people would have expected it to now that they've mended this, this hiccup. The system, I mean, the system I mean is, that, is that a fair comment? The system I mean, is still going to be in place. The MCAS system will still be on, well, on no, the no, Mac. Exactly, I know, but, but it's the it's software fix that, they're, that store, they're doing yeah. this because the original system, it would trim at a, a, a quite a high rate, so it would trim the aircraft really, really fast. So it would obviously right. it would throw the pilot straight out. Okay. But I think the software fix that I, that I read online a few days ago that they're trying to implement would mean that the system would run a lot slower so it wouldn't be such a massive pitch change for the aircraft when the system cuts in right. so you know i think it's going to be a lot more manageable if this if it happens for the pilots to so if that scenario ha were to happen again so there's a there's a middle ground to your to your question that is yes the software will you know go one way to fix it as well as the the training issue will sort of meet it in the middle right. and it'll be probably i anticipate uh, rolled into a runaway trim scenario with MCAS consideration. So now it's something that gets added to the to the troubleshooting, whether it's a quick reference handbook or emergency procedures, where now instead of just doing a runaway trim uh, procedure, you will um, consider the MCAS malfunction as a possible uh, cause for your runaway trim, you know. Yeah. yeah, it does sound the story as well that, um, bear in mind, at Ryanair, they've got 135 of these yeah. on order yeah. um, for delivery with options for another yeah. 75. Actually, I should just say, uh, uh, 
uh, Jeff has just shed, said in the the chat room there that he he was saying that it's not the rate, it's the act, it's the amount of trim. Yeah. So it's not the rate, but the amount of mm. trim. Uh, and then IG nine 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 says that it has to run fast to catch the stall, as per what Jeff said. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, I don't know. yeah yeah. Not- not to sort of belabor the the whole Mac uh, MCAS conversation, but mm. one one thing that resonated with me from um, Colonel Jeff's um, analysis yes. of the whole situation was, you know, how he or he how they measure the trim in hundreds of units, and this thing was driving 2.5 units every 10 seconds or, or something like that. So right. So yeah, it's just like Captain Jeff is saying. It's it's how how much trim the aircraft is putting in and then how much you can take out. Right. Okay. There we go. Okay. So moving on to, uh, to the next story and, uh, Nev. Yes. On the simpleflying.com website, Mm. um, Virgin Atlantic have set their sights on becoming the UK's second flag carrier, rivaling British Airways for capacity and status. Their purchase of Flybe has sent a strong message to the policymakers. They're serious about expansion and need more capacity at London's Heathrow Airport to become the best that they can be. Virgin have always been something of a cocky underdog in the UK. Uh, Against all odds, they've taken on BA despite huge differences in resources, size and profitability. They've been unafraid to compete on BA's home turf at Heathrow and to offer up competition, the flag carrier's lucrative transatlantic routes. Now, Virgin have their sights on being the UK's second flag carrier and want to acquire more Heathrow landing slots to aid their expansion. Unfortunately for them, they won't be available and aren't likely to be until the third runway is built. But despite this, Virgin are determined to expand aggressively with new fleet, new routes and strategic investments. Whilst the runway may be some years off, their ambition to become bigger and better will not be curbed. One of the most notable strategic investments for growth is their recent purchase of UK regional airline Flybe. The Virgin-led consortium, dubbed Connect Airways, saved more than 2,000 jobs with their last-minute rescue deal, and with it, the opportunity to feed passengers into both their hubs at Manchester and Heathrow. Aside of the investment in Flybe, Virgin are planning new routes, planes and capacity across their network. They're investing in Manchester and plan to increase capacity there by 20% from May onwards. New routes are being launched, such as, such as their Tel Aviv route uh, from September and Sao Paulo from 2020. They've also indicated that they want to extend their transatlantic partnership with Air France and KLM later in the year too. Although they began co-sharing with this group in March, they are still waiting for US regu- regulatory approval for the deal. Uh, and then, of course, they're expecting delivery of 12 Airbus A350s over the next few years uh, with new cabins on board and 30% better fuel efficiency than the 747s they'll replace. These new aircraft offer a route to expansion and better profits too. Right now, British Airways and their parent IAG hold around 55% of the slots at Heathrow. 
in an interview with Travel Weekly. Shay Weiss, who's the Virgin Atlantic's chief executive, commented on the British Airways' dominance at Heathrow, suggesting that more competition is required. Britain needs a second flag carrier from Heathrow and we need significant slots at Heathrow. We need to change the slot regime there. We are pushing this forward. I'm sure it will change and we are the only credible carrier to take advantage of this. Unfortunately for Virgin, uh, the expansion slots at Heathrow will only be possible once uh, more slots are released. And of course, uh, more runway capacity is needed as well, which, and specifically, this is going to be the long awaited third runway, as I mentioned earlier. The uh, Virgin uh, folks expect authorities to make a decision in the next one to two years on their runway. And in the meantime, uh, they are working on uh, demonstrating just how serious they are. The purchase of Flybe was undoubtedly a firm demonstration of Virgin's commitment to feeder traffic. Whether it will have any influence over future plans for the third runway remains to be seen. And in the meantime, we look forward to seeing the beloved British brand going from strength to strength, it says. Uh, and of course, BA, when they acquired British Midland uh, back in, oh, forget which year it was now, but uh, that brought a lot of slots for, for BA, of course, mm. at Heathrow. That was a, a big strategic move for them. And clearly Virgin are doing the same with, with Flybe and the uh, regional operations here as well. So ah. basically they need Heathrow to bring that third runway into play. They do. Mm. Yes. I didn't realise that the um, Flybe thing had gone through. I know there mm. was... Because I'm sure we, it was only a couple of weeks ago we covered a story where it, it was all a little bit up in the air again. No, it's, it's no? all okay. gone through. Yeah. It's all gone through. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Go show what I know. <laughs> no, it's um, they're they are they are not a good airline. To be fair, I mean I've flown with Virgin a few times now, and um, their their level of service is really good. The, the crew and stuff are very attentive, very um, very yeah. nice. And those those new upper class suites that it shows on the picture that Matt put up on the screen there. In the uh, upper class suites on the 350s, they, they look quite nice as well. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, and uh, Armando. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go off script a little bit, Matt. It's okay, fear not. Um, <laughs> so we did have a story about the, uh, the uh, leap engines that are on the Max 8 as well as the uh, A321s. But uh, I'm going to take this a little bit different. So as we were reading that last um, Max 8 story, uh, Micah, uh, main man Micah, pointed me towards or pointed us towards this story, which is essentially breaking news. Mm. Uh, so it is by friend of the show and podcasting family, Rob Mark, um, who I believe is a senior editor at Flying Magazine and mm. is in Flying Magazine. Um, the FAA announced a, a Thursday, about five hours uh, this was published five hours ago, but announced on Thursday an emergency airworthiness directive against the Cirrus SF-50 Vision Jet that will ground the entire fleet until speci uh, specified maintenance is performed on the aircraft's angle of attack indicators. The airworthiness directive was prompted by three incidents on a Cirrus model SF-50 airplane of the stall warning and protection system or the electronic stability and protection system engaging when not appropriate with the first incident occurring in November and the latest this month. The agency said the noted condition presents an immediate danger to pilots and passengers of Cirrus Design Corporation Model SS 50 airplanes because of an uncommanded pitch down may be difficult to recover from in some flight regimes with potentially fatal consequences. 
the before further flight compliance time and need to replace the AOA sensors due to the potentially fatal consequences does not allow for prior notice and the opportunity for comment from the public. The AD explained that the SWPS or ESP systems may engage even when there is sufficient airspeed and proper angle of attack uh, existing for normal flight. It will include the stall warning alarm, the stick shaker, stick pusher, um, talks about the design is from Garmin, um, kind of how it works, but uh, this is very similar. So I, I'm, I'm curious as to how this was prompt, prompted, right? Maybe, you know, this is eerily similar to what we're seeing on the Max 8 where an automated system is kicking in when the right. conditions, right? So, I mean, grounding yet another fleet of aircraft. Yeah, it's... It's a, I mean, it's I, mean I guess it's, it's got to be done. I mean, they. I mean, presumably these decisions aren't um, sort of, you know, done lightly. If you see what I mean, so that there must be, uh, you know, there, there will almost certainly be, uh, you know, strong grounds for, uh, you know, doing so. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it is a bit scary. But yeah, and and that statement from the FAA pretty much sums it up as when when they reach a finding. And kind of just like we were talking about, it's probably a finding in an investigation somewhere that it's an aha moment where suddenly you realize, oh, well, this could be a potential major cause, you know, and the most conservative pro approach would be, hey, we, we got to ground the fleet until we figure this out. Yeah. Um, so I think Cirrus is going to find themselves in the same situation, although on a smaller scale than Boeing here. Yeah, yeah, almost certainly. It's got to be it's... said, though, Armando, that uh, SF-50 is one heck of a strange-looking uh, jet. It is. It was actually the best-selling uh, private jet in 2018, I believe. I think with uh, – I, I don't know, remember the number, but it was something like 50 orders or 50 deliveries, something like that. So apparently it's very capable. But, yes, it is a funny-looking jet. And, Matt, I'm just wondering, as a – I guess you might describe yourself as a nervous flyer I think, to begin I, yes, with. Yes, yeah, that's that's uh, that's another how, statement. How, yes. how does this story affect you and your uh, desire to go flying? Wait, there's a desire to go flying. What, what the hell? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no. Uh, I mean, now the the Cirrus. What sort of aircraft is is that? Um, so it's, that's it's, that's like a little. It's kind of a. It's a bit a, like the Piper, is it, or is it a bit bigger than? It, it, it's like it a, a. I like the carbon. A, a mini six. Oh, yeah. Six. It, so the the Cirrus, uh, the original Cirrus model, the SR series, are four seat, uh, modern. Uh, it's like a Piper, but out of made out of modern materials with modern avionics, um, with the ballistic parachute system. Extremely safe airplane. A um, little bit high performance. Um, for your for your general aviation mm. fleet, and then the the Cirrus Vision Jet was sort of the evolution of that into hey, it's not it's not a lemon or sorry a Phenom, um, but <laughs> but it's a step up from a Cirrus SR22. And by the way, I got to correct myself; it was a 320 Neo aircraft that had the the leap engine, not 321s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, in answer to your um, question, Brian, I I don't know. Uh, I, there, there's the I mean the Max thing does worry me uh, as a as a, a nervous flyer and I know mm -hmm. that Boeing will get to the bottom of this they'll get it they'll get it sorted I I, I have no doubt um, 
I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't leave me any more nervous than I was already because I guess that that sort of fear, if you like, that, that that's in my head is there regardless of the fact that... I mean, because it's still however you, right. you dress this up, um, it is, all right, it's two relatively close together incidences, but they are still insanely few and far between. Uh, and I suppose... It, uh, on the one hand, it's slightly comforting at the fact that they very quickly found out what was wrong. Um, you know, there isn't this sort of... I mean, like it, weirdly, it's the things like the MH370 that worries oh, wow, me yeah, more yeah. than anything else because Ooh. they still, to this day, apparently... I, I'm, I'm, I'm still convinced that one day myself are never going to find it in a simulator down, down near Ellesmere Port. I'm gonna, I've got to be honest, but uh, <laughs> it's... Um, there is this um, uh, sort of, you know, that that weirdly worries me more than like, you know, what happened to the Lion Air and the and um, and the Ethiopian thing because one of those mysteries. those those answers, you know, we have mm. not all the answers. I know. I guess we'll never have the answers, but we, you know, Boeing have already very early doors, sort of more or less said, was sort of held their hands up to to something not working out right so mm. I, I suppose weirdly actually i i, I it, it doesn't bother me that much um as he'll I, be on a plane if someone offered him a good, flight good to barbados he'd be on it you know uh, yeah it's just <laughs> <laughs> what did you say <laughs> if someone offered you a flight to barbados in first class i don't think you'd say oh no oh, no uh, no, no i can't see that happening no. in the foreseeable future i mean i mean Nev, no. i mean because you, you, you do an awful lot of flying obviously probably more so than the, the rest of us i mean i mean what what how do how do the these sort of stories fit with you? I mean, I mean, because you're you're not a well, nervous flyer at all, are you? <clears throat> no, I, I I'm not now, but I I certainly was back back in the day when I was sixteen or seventeen. I would say, what you've got to remember here is the um, this what has happened is extremely unusual in 2018 and 2019 to have these sorts of fatalities uh, is extremely unusual. Uh, you know, air air craft and airline flying has never been safer um, so to actually have a fundamental design flaw potentially with this aircraft or at least something that uh, not all the crews were fully made aware of yeah this is a really unusual situation yeah. especially for a major manufacturer like Boeing yeah. but then if you go back to the start of the Airbus you know in, uh, in 1986 87 with the A320 there were many many software revisions that, that went on uh, and firmware updates and all sorts of things uh, to deal with the handling of the aircraft but uh, mm. this is uh, so catastrophic that they uh, both obviously all the uh, EASA and the FAA have, have had to ground the aircraft until they get to the bottom of it. It will, of course, then be the safest aircraft you could possibly fly. Absolutely. Yeah. There, is, there is no way they can afford to have another one of these moments. So they will have gone through every yeah. possible scenario. And if, sure if my ma oh, it wasn't quite so extreme, I know, but I seem to remember, was it the Dreamliner that had the issue with the batteries when yeah, they yeah. first went into service? Yeah, yeah. And you were having big fires in the air. And yeah. Okay, I mean, nothing as ca catastrophic as the other two. Uh, sort of occurred, but, uh, but I think when you when you when you add up all the facts and figures and stuff like this, and it's been said about a million times before, mm. flying is still the safest. I think. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I, 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 even as a nervous flyer, I mm. still agree with you. Yeah. Uh, on that, so yeah. So in answer to your question, Brian, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I am indifferent. I, I, I still don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to stop you from no, from flying. No, and I think that's that's. 
that's something great to hear. So yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, well is, done there. Yeah, yeah. you know what? And, and I'm going to go ahead and throw in a plug for the beauty of the PTUK podcast. This is exactly what it's about, right? And so we're talking about the AOA sensors and this MCAS and this sort of automatic software that's that drives you down and 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 the the tagline for the show, right? Written by a passenger for anyone. This is exactly what it's about. Is we I know I get super hyper focused on the technical aspects of yeah. things. And that was a great question, Brian, because I, I sometimes forget it was like Matt, Carlos, how does that make you feel knowing that airplanes are falling out of the sky? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you usually, so, when it first happens, it's usually followed with, and then after that, uh, you know, we're all right about it. But yeah, the, yeah, that, that's the thing. Mm. As, as I say, it's just interesting from, like, as I say, from, from Nev's point of view, because as I say, he is, um, you know, a, a very frequent flyer. This is the thing. It's just interesting to sort of think, you know, does, does that make, like Nev feel um, more nervous about what's going on just simply because of the amount of flying that you do. I mean, you know, I get on maybe one, two planes a year. Um, you know, I, I mean, Nev, I mean, you, you, you're up to what? You must be up to like 10, 11 by now already, you know. Oh, probably, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, nowhere near as much as Brian used to fly, I don't think. No. Uh, and mm. all my flying is relatively short haul, usually within Europe and, and a couple of US trips a year, probably. But uh, yeah. no, I, I, I think that... Um, when you're talking about such a major manufacturer such as Boeing, and it could have been Airbus, it, it could yeah, have it been anyone that this yeah, had a problem with, but I think uh, they cannot afford, and the lawyers will not let them afford, uh, uh, no. be in a situation uh, where they can have this sort of thing happen again. So there'll be extensive testing, uh, many, many hours of uh, in-service um, verification to make sure that everybody's happy with it. Mm. Um, and then they'll still do more testing after that before it's allowed back. And obviously, this has a commercial uh, impact on, on the airline, uh, on the manufacturer, clearly. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, because mm. uh, as it's grounded, they, they can't sell them. Um, no, indeed. And because, them to, to the, the I mean, I, am, I, am I right in assuming <coughs> we haven't seen any orders cancelled off the back of this yet? Uh, there was some suspended, I think, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, that's different to it yeah. being cancelled, yeah. isn't it? No, I think there was someone who cancelled the some 737 MAX jets. I can't remember who, but the backlog is so large, I don't think it's going to affect right. Boeing yeah. at all in, in that regard. And who knows, they might pick them up later mm -hmm. on if they need them. Although I think I recall that they... Uh, converted the orders over to um, either A320 or 321 aircraft. Yeah. So mm. yeah. Boeing might have lost them, but it was something like 10, maybe 18 right. uh, yeah. jets. Not, so not a huge... It, it, uh, when you have thousands on back order, yeah. it really doesn't it, matter. You, so you yeah. don't sort of think... Right. Anyway, we, we, yeah. we must move Lion on. Air, Lion Air cancelled, uh, according to Micah. Oh, right, Lion, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which I suppose you can understand because, I mean, that's that's extra sensitive. I, you, I, I guess perhaps you wouldn't be at all surprised to maybe if uh, Ethiopian were to perhaps cancel orders, mm. perhaps off the back, obviously, of 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 what happened, um, perhaps. Yeah, I could see them converting um, to other 737 jets, but canceling them and moving platforms, if you don't already have an A320, it's really expensive retraining your yeah, uh, yeah. uh, flight officers plus all the internal resources. If you have any simulators in-house, of course, they become useless, and they're millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a big commitment on the part of an airline yeah. to choose a particular uh, series of, of jets. Yeah. So, indeed. Brian, while you're there, you've got the next story. Yeah on uh, Flight Global. From 
Flight Global, yeah. And speaking of jets and jet airways, they're suspending flight operations after failing to secure emergency funding to continue operations. And in addition to this story, there was also a, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good article from uh, Cranky Flyer, his, his opinion over this, where it's, uh, he views it not so much as a suspension, but a complete uh, shutdown of the airline and that they will not be able to recover from this because, of course, if no one's willing to give them money today, why would anyone give the money tomorrow? Mm. Anyway, mm. back to this article. It's in an update to the Indian stock market. The carrier confirms that it has canceled all domestic and international flights after today. It says it took the decision after being informed by the State Bank of India that its consortium of lenders had turned down a request for critical interim funding. Hmm. Without such funding, the airline admits it is not able to pay for the fuel or, in quotes, critical services required to sustain operations. wonder if that's flight crew by chance. <laughs> yeah. uh, food. I, know, I guess food's not critical, but anyway. Uh, uh, well, it depends on your perspective, to be fair, Brian, because <laughs> I would find that very critical. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it notes that it undertook a painstaking evaluation of all the alternatives available and took guidance and advice from its board of directors. In my opinion, they said, run. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Cancel all checks. Yeah. Yeah. The airline had already suspended international flights until the 18th of April as an interim measure. Over the last several weeks and months, the company has tried every means possible to seek both internal and long-term funding. Unfortunately, despite its best efforts, the airline has been left with no other choice today but go ahead without, <clears throat> I'm sorry, with a temporary suspension of flight operations, it says. And on and on and on. But uh, basically, I don't think this one's coming back. And it's unfortunate that an uh, airline goes out of business, but as they... I've always said, how do you make a million dollars in the airline industry? You start with a billion. Well, yeah. And yeah, yeah and, and, and I think these guys are going the way of uh, WOW, uh, who also recently stopped service. And I think that it's also uh, interesting. These guys were being funded in part by Etihad, isn't it? Or okay. Emirates, or one of the Middle East carriers, exactly. and it seems yeah. like every carrier that they touch with funding um, doesn't do so well. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's sort I of mean, a are, Middle East curse on on other uh, airlines. Are, are they being, you know, are, are they stepping in though because they need the the, the funding? Do you, do you know what I mean? Is that <clears throat> is that the issue? I mean, you know, yeah, it's un- where are they stepping in in the process? Right? Yeah, is it absolutely. a strategic investment up front, or is it yeah. they're funding as a rescue operation and then yeah. the rescue fails yeah i mean i mean it's it, surely it's never good news as soon as they say essentially that uh, you know they're unable to pay for their fuel i mean that that is uh, <laughs> that is quite uh, fundamental in the opera you know in the operating i think when the when the crew start bringing out their, their credit cards and stuff like that yeah i mean um, if the captain's having yeah. to pay for it at heathrow then it's yeah. it's not great is it i mean it's just like, i don't even know did they fly fly into well, I, I can relate to that story at the moment am I or pass the hat. <laughs> oh, well yes indeed yeah, yeah pass a hat for the passengers yeah, yeah. Uh, pass a hat yeah 
No, is it? Well, in that scenario, you've just got to hope Nev's in seat 1A, I think, because that's just... He likes collecting Avios points, that's why it's... Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the best way to get some points. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think if, if, if Nev was passed a BA hat with some money in it, he'd say, oh, another perk, great, yes. <laughs> and then put it on. Sure, oh, yeah. Quite right, yeah. yeah. Take that box. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the next it's, story. Ne- it's never good news news to hear, sort of hear that an airline Not about is, airline, is essentially airline, uh, no. uh, being wound up. I think, uh, isn't it? You know. So the next story on Flight Global uh, is uh, obviously with all the news and stuff about uh, the problems with the Max and stuff. Obviously, the airlines that have had to ground the Max have had to obviously pull in aircraft oh, yeah. from other places. So the next story is uh, on Flight Global, as I said, and uh, it's got here the lease jets backfilling the lost 737 MAX capacity. So it says as operators across the world scramble to fill capacity gaps created by the grounding of the uh, MAX, uh, they show here a, a quick gallery of aircraft that have been drafted in uh, to the affected uh, airlines. So it they says uh, pictures, Matt, on the show got, notes, uh, honestly. They've got Enter Air <laughs> that, has, uh, that are using a couple of uh, 737-800s that they've uh, got from uh, Slovak charter operator Go uh, to Sky. Um, they've got uh, on here Air Italy um, Air have taken on lease since the grounding began. And wasn't Embraer Air Italy one of the one wasn't that wasn't that one of the Italian carriers? That... No, it's still there. Is it okay? So Air Italy have taken on a lease of some uh, Embraer one nineties from Bulgaria Air, um, and also a Fokker one hundred as well uh, in oh, wow. the uh, livery of Croatian carrier charter operator Trade Air. Um, you've got uh, Royal Air Maroc has taken an A320 um, from uh, from with Sun Express livery, um, which has they're using that. Uh, also, among other initiatives, Air Canada has been speeding the entry into service of four A321s it purchased from the now defunct Wow Air. Uh, the operator had 24 Max aircraft in service on the 9th of March. Uh, among other types, leisure operator Tui. Uh, TUI Group has brought a number of 737-800s back into its fleet since the grounding began. Uh, that several of, of these have been leased to Canadian subsidiary Sunwing Airway, uh, Airlines uh, and also uh, some in the old Thompson Airways livery. I do miss that. Um, so they've brought some of those back in because uh, TUI had 15 of uh, the Maxes in service. Uh, Polish carrier LOT, L-O-T, has leased... Uh, four 737 aircraft since the grounding began. Uh, they've been leasing some of those off Blue Air. Uh, the operator, Polish carrier uh, lot, had uh, five MAX jets in service. Uh, one I know quite well, actually, Euro-Atlantic Iceland Air has taken a 767-300ER on lease since the grounding began. Um, the uh, aircraft, there's one in the picture here, the 767-300ER. Matt's just shown it on there. Uh, Charlie Sierra Tango Kilo Romeo. They've uh, in the Euro Atlantic Airways uh, livery, and uh, they've also took on a 757 as well to cover these uh, Max groundings as well. Arc Fly, uh, Fuji Airways has taken a, a Dash 800 on lease from uh, from the carrier group carrier Arc Fly, and uh, also uh, Samoa Airways is finalising an agreement to wet lease a 737-800 from Melindo Air. <coughs> Uh, the Malaysian carrier has uh, 24 of the aircraft in service, including examples shown 
above. Uh, Samoa Airways had been set to receive its first MAX 9 jet by the end of March. So it's safe to say that all these airlines across the globe that obviously were using the MAX you know they're 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 drafting in aircraft from uh, various uh, leasing and uh, kind so, of high. I companies. mean, forgive my naivety here, which uh, I know I'm rather famous for on this this show. How long was the Max actually in service for? Before Not long. This, this happened. Was it? Yeah. Was it end, towards the end of last year? Nev, I think it was end of. Yeah, yeah we, it's, I it's we six saw months it in Farnborough, didn't we? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, about that. Uh, one of the questions that I have that no one's really talked about in the press is how Boeing's insurance policy over loss of use is going, or if this is even covered under loss of use. Uh, oftentimes when a manufacturer makes a product, they guarantee it where their customer can actually use it. And certainly right. okay. this is a huge issue where the airlines are are losing lots of revenue. Uh, many airlines had to cancel a number of flights. Uh, this story talks about how they're bringing aircraft back. Uh, I was just reading a story the other day about American who was um, – either delaying retirement of aircraft that, of course, would cost them money as well uh, by not having an as fuel efficient uh, um, aircraft in the air, pulling them back from the from the desert, taking them out of mothballs. And there's an awful lot of scrambling and, and route juggling yeah. that's going on right now. And I, mean, I, I thought another interesting solution that American did in, in, in trying to resolve the problem or, or help alleviate it, they were consolidating some of their flights. So let's say if they did uh, city pair service and they offered eight times a day, they were cutting that down to five or six, or they were simply canceling uh, flights between lesser um, traveled cities and diverting the aircraft to higher, more profitable um, routes or feeder um, right. routes. So uh, the airlines are spending a lot of money to solve this problem. I just wonder from an insurance standpoint, yeah, what, yeah. what Boeing's liability is, if it's even covered at all. Uh, monstrous, I think, is the, is the, is the correct <laughs> answer to that question. Uh, actually, uh, Neil Lamorne's just said in the chat room there, actually, that the airline I was thinking of was Alitalia, wasn't it? Oh, Alitalia. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm thinking. Guys, yeah. oh, honestly, Jenny's going to write to me now, isn't she? Yeah. I'm going I'm to get emails, emails now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the last story yeah. in the list this week uh, for the commercial news, it's for you, Matt. It's a, it's a comfortable story, this one, because it uh, involves... Uh, your your favourite comfy chair, the settee. Oh, right, I, I'm I'm. <laughs> yes. Are you suggesting I'm a couch potato? Carl, Not at all. There? No. Right. Anyway, the uh, get dot com is the website, and the headline is uh, Airbus shows off new couch style airplane seats. Mm. Airbus has just released the latest design for its new business class seats. The new seats are called the settee corny corner <laughs> uh, seats and are more like a recliner or couch than an airplane seat. Uh, the new design is the result of a collaboration between Airbus and Gevin, an airline seat manufacturing company. The new seat is based on three economy class seats being placed together to form one large seat. The leg area of the seats uh, rises, much like that of a reclining chair, and the back of the seats can be tiled, uh, can, can be tilted back as well. The, uh, the, while the design is much like a couch, passengers could lie down across the seats if they so desired. The seats have all the amenities that one would find in business class. This includes ample storage area,
areas, overhead room, uh, entertainment screens and fold-out tables. Ideal for working. The legroom is a little larger than the previous seating styles, so the recliner part of the new seats can extend further. The new seats designs come as Airbus is looking for ways to improve comfort levels for long-haul premium passengers. The airline industry has seen significant demand for planes that can travel further distances due to passenger requests. However, the current seating options are not the best for extended range flights. In addition to providing extra comfort levels for passengers, the new seats are also significantly lighter than previous business class seats. This is beneficial to longer range flights and makes them more environmentally friendly indirectly. Uh, that's the first time I think somebody's tried to claim that their business class seating is helping the environment. Uh, the seats are being designed specifically for the Airbus A321 long range aircraft at this time but may become available for other jets as well. I mean it's um oh, no, I'll tell you what there's no you, pictures unfortunately while you're, I was hoping while, to sort while of you're find. reading that Matt yes. if you go to your uh, your specialist phone there you'll see some pictures I've actually been on because the story that it, uh, Matt oh, uh, my was reading there phone. Right. this okay. uh, these the pictures weren't very good so I thought well I'd uh, I'll just oh, okay. grab some oh, pictures okay. online yeah. hang on I'm on it while we're I'm doing a story yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Matt will bring those up for you for those of you who are watching the world of YouTube okay. yes we'll be able to see just what these seats look like and, and I, they... I was just wondering how do they compare to the um, the couch seat that um, uh, Air New Zealand has. Oh, I don't. I know. don't know. I don't know. But I mean, what do you? Think oh, I guess with this picture now, I can see. It yeah, there we go. Differs a lot. I mean, it, it seems I, I don't understand the need for it to be curved, or is that just the way it's that's, like? It just seems a bit strange, isn't it? Curved. Yeah. Well, you'd, you'd I can of... see this is going to be a, this will be a problem for me because uh, I'm the sort of chap that likes just to put his leg up. <clears throat> right on my on the on the, the neighbouring person, if you see what I mean. I beg um, your pardon. <laughs> if you know them or you're married to them, that, that's great. So. But if you don't, then that's an issue. Straight uh, up, yeah, yeah. being stuck in the middle seat—that's certainly going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, well, you could, yes, you absolutely. could meet got... a lot of new people very quickly. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's one way of if if you know if there if there wasn't a Mrs. Nev, for example. I mean, that might be one way of becoming sort of accustomed to uh, new random. Or get people. asked to leave the aircraft. Yes, or get asked right. to leave. I mean, the advantage you do have about being you know sort of you know a few thousand feet above the air is they're less likely to do that. Uh, certainly in flight. I mean, you may be greeted by a you know by you know the the, the local constabulary, shall we say? When Can you get, I look, uh, the, you know, the picture that you've got on there it looks a bit yeah. squashed a bit, bit yeah. close together um don't know what i wonder what the chat room thinks and of i've these, never uh, seen a locker i've never seen an overhead bin that neat <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes i yeah. can't remember the last time that was uh, ever a thing but uh, yeah there we go <laughs> no, i can't see any love at all for those seats in the chat room but no uh, no no they're, they're, they're not loving it no no, I think the design that Air New Zealand has, where you can take the three economy seats and flatten them out and uh, kind of where your legs go, they turn that into a bed, I think is a, a much better idea. Yeah. Richard Adams says in the chat room that, that it looks like curved cattle class. <laughs> no, I suppose. <laughs> the, the, the curved thing is weird, though, because presumably that's <laughs> taking up more cabin space. 
You'd think that, so, that's wouldn't what you? I yeah. Because oh, if it was in a straight line, I could kind of... Actually, Mike, Mike has said that the wall in front of those seats makes it look more co- uh, claustrophio- uh, claustrophobic. <laughs> Easy for you yeah. to say. Uh, <laughs> After a drink, yeah. Uh, indeed, oh. yes. Uh, it's, uh, the, well, anyway, uh, look, we're, we're, we're running over massively. I know, we're massively, running, so running we over massively to, uh, time, yeah. We need so to move we on. we are yes. going to hand things over then uh, to Armando to uh, introduce the next part of the show. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh... I said before, it's nice to be back. Nice to be back on a regular show. Let's uh, get some military news. So, Carlos, you ready to go? Let's go. Oh, and here I thought I would delay everything enough so Captain L would be happy and not have a military <laughs> segment. <laughs> to be fair, you've done a very good job because we are, you know, we're an hour and a half in already, and uh, like, you know, we, we uh, anyway. But it's uh, the trouble. The trouble is, guys, if we don't do the military, we get emails. Uh, there's no two ways about it. We get emails, and some of them are not particularly family friendly. You know how we like. Anyway, to let them. Amanda get anyway, on. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Shut up, Smith. <laughs> no, it's good. The, the good thing about military news is we can put it into afterburner and make it go by. Oh, I see fun. what you did there. That's very, yeah, very yeah. Well He's smooth. I'll give him that. He is smooth. Anyways, smooth. we'll skip the uh, introductions. Matt, pressing the buttons. You ready to go? So before we start the actual military news stories, we're going to give a thoughts and prayers out to Lieutenant Colonel Richard Dick Cole's uh, family and really the Air Force family at, uh, at large. So Lieutenant Colonel Richard E. Cole, Jimmy Doolittle's co-pilot and the last surviving member of the Doolittle Raiders uh, on Tokyo, 18 April 1942, passed away on 9 April 2019. Uh, he was born in 19... 19- uh, 15 and listed as an aviation cadet. He was one of 80 crew members selected to take part in the famous raid against Tokyo on mainland Japan, led by Jimmy Doolittle. Um, I think everybody that is a fan of the show probably knows the story. They took off from the USS Hornet in B-25 missiles. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Cole was actually on the very first airplane that took off, which means they had the shortest uh, deck to take off from. Uh, there was no uh, fancy methods. We they just, you know, held the brakes, put full power, uh, went off the, uh, the sh- you know, that short amount of runway that they had, and hoped for the best. And um, so th- this man was was the last surviving member of the Doolittle Raiders. They had a great tradition, um, drinking scotch and toasting each other. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a life to be celebrated, but uh, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, his fans, and the Air Force family Absolutely. as a home. Absolutely. Well, let's so let's see. The first uh, story that we're going to talk about is from The Drive, um, and it is about the Puerto Rico Air National Guard. If you guys remember, last year they had a fatal incident. Um, I believe it was in Georgia or uh, South Carolina somewhere. Uh, it was... Uh, South Carolina, that they lost one of the aircraft. So the Puerto Rico Air National Guard, or the Prang, has lost its flying mission less than two years after Hurricane Maria, uh, Maria battered its main base and nearly a year after a tra- tragic accident exposed a culture of apathy and poor morale. It will now reorganize its former flying units to support the U.S. Air Force's recent push 
to revitalize its ability to rapidly deploy and establish forward bases overseas during major crises and conflicts. Now, uh, Air Force General Joseph Lingel, Chief of the National Guard Bureau in Puerto Rico government, Ricardo Rosello, of the decision on April 11th, 2019. The 156th Airlift Wing had formally received a new name, simply the 156th Wing. Uh, a day before, uh, the day before to mark the shift, which will take approximately 36 months to complete. When the wing reaches its full operational capacity, it will have gained 18 personnel in the process of transitioning from flying the WC-130H Hercules or Hurricane Hunters uh, into its new contingency response and combat communications mission. Um, let's see, this is the first time that the wing has not had a flying mission of some kind. It's been flying since 1962. It will not have any fixed wing aircraft. And uh, the National Guard Bureau says that the new 156 wing will be the first unit in the Air National Guard to combine contingency response and combat comms together. Um, yeah, so that's the, the short version of the story. I think the Air Force is pushing to have some uh, forward bases, some warm bases that we can go out to. Um, so this is uh, the first time that we're seeing a, a guard base. Uh, unfortunately, it is Puerto Rico, which is a pretty strategic point in in the Western Hemisphere, at least for us getting down to South America. Mm. I bet. So Nev, next story is for you. Yeah, another slightly unfortunate story here on uh, flightglobal.com. Uh, it says that the, the search continues for a Lockheed Martin F-35A operated by the Japanese Air Self-Defense Force that crashed last week into the northern Pacific Ocean. Uh, Japanese media reports indicate that the aircraft's tail has been recovered, but the aircraft's fuselage and the body of the pilot has yet, have yet to be located. The aircraft crashed on the 9th of April during a training mission whilst operating from Misawa Air Base. Uh, the aircraft involved bore the serial number AX5 and the registration 78-8704, the first example built by the Mitsubishi Final Assembly Line in Nagoya. US and Japanese ships, aircraft and a submersible continue to search for the missing jet and the search area is reportedly 135 kilometers out to sea. Uh, media reports suggest that there is concern that the aircraft, if not found, could possibly end up in the hands of foreign powers such as China or Russia. It's always the thing, isn't it, with military accidents that are uh, away from home, as it were, mm. uh, the possibility of other people uh, finding it. Finding and, the tech, um, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's a shame they yeah, can't exactly. find a pilot. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. fortunate enough to be a guest on the airplane geeks last week and we had a we talked a little bit about this um with uh david vanderhoff who is a military historian we we sort of talked about some of the potential consequences of this technology falling into the wrong hands or at least the, the adversary's hands mm. um nevertheless this is an area saturated by uh, u.s and japanese forces so i think the the uh, likelihood of some of this technology ending ending up there is, is is low. I think it's unlikely. However, just getting to the wreckage is is going to be 
challenging to say the least because it's it's in over a mile and a half of, of water so right. um, Gosh. we'll see how they get it and then the I, the pilot has not been found i was checking uh this morning so hmm. i mean yeah i mean these things are always awful isn't it but you, you just hope that they do at least find find him just if mm-hmm. only for the sake of the families you know so that they can sort of put some closure uh behind this awful thing really but uh the next story yeah um is uh one uh about a group or display group that uh, that we all know and love, especially those guys over in the U.S. This one is on the uh, Pensacola News Journal or the PNJ.com website. The headline, New Plane, New Show. Blue Angels gear up for a new era in F-18 Super Hornet. So, as the 2019 Blue Angels delight fans at air shows nationwide this year, two former Blue Angels have been busy laying groundwork for one of the biggest changes in the team's nearly 75-year history. Captain Ryan Bonacci, thanks for picking this one, commander of the 2016-2017 Blue Angels and commander Frank Weiser, who flew with the team from 2008 to 2010 and again in 2016 and 2017, recently oversaw a team of experts helping the Blue Angels change airplanes for the first time in more than 30 years. The Blue Angels are tentatively scheduled to start flying the FA-18 Super Hornet in 2021, the team's 75th anniversary season as well. The uh, move to the Super Hornet will mark for the first time the elite Navy and Marine fighter jet demonstration team has changed aircraft since it moved from the A4F Skyhawk to to the FA-18 Hornet back in 1986. And uh, both uh, Bernard... uh, Bonacci and Weiser said the new aircraft will mean exciting changes in the demonstration and the new era for the Blue Angels. Uh, The jet is more powerful, especially at lower altitudes, so we believe that our manoeuvring will be more visible to the crowd and more impressive overall, Weiser said, in response to a series of email questions from the News Journal. Uh, That increased performance will allow us to alter some manoeuvres and better showcase the aircraft's very unique capabilities. Uh, Bonacci said and Weiser did a lot of their work in flight simulators at Naval Air Station Patuxent River in Maryland. Please, yeah, you got it. Yes, you got Patuxent River right. It's Maryland. Maryland, and they first tried to recreate the, uh, their existing FA-18 Blue Angels demonstration in the Super Hornet using the simulator. We were able to establish the Diamond, Solo, and Delta maneuvers in the Super Hornet, and then from there start to really evaluate the difference between the Hornet and the Super Hornet, Panacci said in an email. Along the way, we worked closely with the engineering experts at PAX, uh, folks that have ch- unmatched uh, knowledge about the F-18 flight dynamics engine flight control systems, fuel systems, and airframe fatigue factors. The team configured an artificial field system in the simulator to mimic the 40-pound spring which the Blue Angels attached to their flight stick to provide the uh, precision control needed to fly the tight formations that are hallmark of their flying. They also introduced engine flameouts control failures and other unexpected emergencies in the sim to see how the Super Hornet performed under demands of of the demonstration. He said that we wanted to understand what effects would be and ensure there is a safe procedure to handle any situation that could possibly arise no matter how unlikely, Bonacci said. 
the Blues will still fly without G-suits, although some things will change. With the newer aircraft, other things will stay the same. The Blue Angels will continue to fly without the traditional G-suits worn by other fighter uh, jet air uh, pilots uh, when they change to the Super Hornet. The Blue Angels have special waiver from the Department of Defense to fly without G-suits because the inflatable bladders in the legs of the suits can interfere with the pilot's ability to control the flight stick and move the jet uh, team into famous tight formations. Uh, the six jets will often fly within inches of each other. Uh, the Blues have always required a G-suit waiver in their jets going back to the early days because of where we brace our right forearm uh, on our right thigh for precise flying f uh, and G-suit inflation interferes with precision control, Bernacci said. Blue Angels pilots use special breathing maneuvers and abdominal exercises to keep the blood in their upper body and uh, to keep from passing out in high G maneuvers. And the story goes on to explain some about the, uh, the new uh, uh, software in the Super Hornet as well. And um, the Navy are to unveil the Super Hornet in 2021. So it's looking good to, uh, to see the display. It would be nice if they um, came over to the UK and uh, put a display on. Have they ever, have they ever come over here? I don't think they have. I'm not sure. I don't think they have. Yeah, I know because I know we. I know. I know the Red Arrows have been over to the states a few yes, times, haven't they? 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 But yeah. uh, I think they're going this season, aren't they? They're going. They're going yeah, over they to the states. Yeah. states yeah. This year or next year, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so uh, interesting, and and um, is it the Thunderbirds? The other ones I'm thinking of. Mm. I don't know if they've ever come over here as uh, as well. I know. I know Al's a big fan. Uh, I'd really like for them to see. You know, to sort of see them. Um, and Matt, yeah, indeed, yes. The so, next, uh, uh, yeah, next, next story. story. This is on the Warbird uh, Digest, and it's good news for all aviation uh, aviation histori history enthusiasts, actually. And uh, it's a great museum, one one which is definitely on my bucket list, actually, uh, for the tour aboard the Hawker. Uh, is it Sidley? Sidley, yeah, yeah. The Hawker Sidley Nimrod R one at RAF Museum Cosford. Uh, so the RAF Museum Cosford in Shropshire, England, is opening up one of their rare electric electronic surveillance aircraft to the public for a limited time starting today. Mm. Take a tour of the Hawker Sidley Nimrod R1, one of just two of the type remaining for a close look at the secret spy plane to get an idea for the important job that the RAF uh, air crews, crews were performing every day uh, from the Cold War through to the war in Afghanistan. The RAF Museum press release continues. Returning in 2019, step on board the Nimrod um, uh, X-ray Victor 249 and learn about its intelligence gathering role in the Royal Air Force. You will gain an insight into the operational history of the aircraft from its time as a maritime reco reconnaissance through to its conservation into a signals intelligence gathering aircraft as well as hear about the crews on board and get to see some of its sophisticated surveillance equipment uh, as one of only four Nimrod R1 variants built. You can gain a rare insight into the RAF's intelligence capabilities. Uh, I won't go into the details uh, in in regards to when they're doing it, um, but uh, yeah, strongly recommended. Uh, apparently, afternoon tours may be available on the day, on a first come first basis. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a I mean it's a it's an iconic aircraft, isn't it? And and a chance to Nimrod, have a yeah. have a guided tour around it is definitely. We we're very lucky here in the east of Anglia, where me and Matt live here on the east coast, because if you remember, cast your minds back to. 
uh, our one hundredth oh, episode oh, yeah. at oh, yes, Norwich Aviation Museum. There, yeah. yeah, the the museum at Norwich here, um, just down the road from us, has a Nimrod um, in their grounds, yeah. a full, complete Nimrod, Indeed. and you can you can actually go on board that and uh, have a complete walkthrough right yeah. through to the flight deck, which Absolutely. is really good. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what an unfortunate name for an aircraft, though, right? Being well, called a Nimrod. <laughs> yes, I, I, it's I, not very complimentary. Uh, no. No, but I always did kind of chuckle at that name. (laughs) And and you know what? I I, when I when I came into the Air Force, they were still flying, obviously, and and it was it would always be funny because that was their call sign. They would come on, and they'd be like, "Ah, Nimrod's on station," and you're like, "Okay, we have things like blade and knife and and whatever um, axe two four, and then Nimrod four five come shows up in the stack." Like, oh, okay. <laughs> have I, Nimrod. Have I, have I, has somebody explained it. Well, I, I, have I missed what Nimrod is? Is there a, a meaning to Nimrod that I'm not familiar with then? <laughs> oh, maybe there is in the US. Yeah. Perhaps, <laughs> well, this is what I'm beginning to wonder. I mean, I, I mean, I'm familiar yeah. with a, I, I'm familiar with a track from the Planet Suite that's called Nimrod. Um, that's a piece of music, isn't it? It's from the the classical music. Don't look at me so horrified, I, Carl. You know what? I, I think we do have we have a, a, yet another separation because main man, main man Micah is saying, does it not have the same connotation in the UK? And then and Pip in the chat room is saying, a skillful hunter. So, yeah. <laughs> well done, Pip. Very far from a skillful hunter. Yeah, I think we're on two Anyway. Okay, so answers on a postcard, please. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Remember, guys, we, we need to keep the, uh, the non-18 rating. Uh, right, okay. We're trying very hard. Uh, Nev, have I, have I missed something here? <laughs> no, I think there's certain things that just... Uh, bit like some of our humor um our american colleagues go well what's wrong with that and we think it's extremely funny Fair point. and vice yeah. versa I'm yes sure. okay oh, yeah. aluminum anyway the last story uh brian um it's a bit of a uh, pip has also said uh, nimrod also god of war yeah. you see that's his, i like his style anyway sorry yes. yeah the, the last story uh brian a bit of a, a worrying story i think if you're a yeah, we get to we get to take it back to the beginning where it wasn't very happy news at the beginning of the military segment. I figure that's why you try and cut it all the time, but apparently not. Anyway, we <laughs> struggled through it all. But a civilian passenger accidentally ejects from a fighter jet during a ride along. I beg your pardon. This is not the best way to leave an aircraft. Wow. <laughs> okay. Certainly not manufacturer recommended. Anyway. <laughs> yes, it's one way to get a tie. However. <laughs> Uh, that's so right. That's true. Yeah, yeah very true. true. You're the only yeah. with a tie. I know. Sorry, Again, have I missed something? But when um, ejection seats are made by a company called Martin Baker, right? And if you eject from an aircraft with a Martin Baker ejection seat, right? You get um, a, a tie, don't you? Uh, but I'm not sure it's something time. to be proud yeah, of. Baker tie. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. I wonder, well, it, we need to find out, did he get his tie? Yeah, carry on, Brian. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. Well, if, if, if there's another company that makes seats besides Martin Baker, so potentially it had the other one. Uh, oh, this okay. article doesn't say, so I don't know. Um, but I think if I were to uh, survive an ejection with a Martin Baker seat, I would wear the the tie with pride well yes there is that yes (laughs) yeah anyway it says the vast majority of us me being one of them will never strap into the seat of a fighter jet and 
the few who will or have probably have extensive military training to go along with it. I'd agree with that. Civilians rarely get the chance to ride along with military pilots in their planes, but it does happen under certain circumstances. Unfortunately, for one 64-year-old man who had the privilege of riding as a passenger in a French, uh, is it Rafael? Rafael. It's Rafael? Rafael. All right, Rafael, go with, go with Armando. Lugan. Yeah, where's Dr. Stefan or French? We need her. Um, <laughs> anyway, that French fighter jet, uh, the experience ended far too soon and with considerable pain after his ejection seat triggered. Needless to say, this isn't supposed to happen. Okay. Well, it is if you command it, but if you don't command it, then no. not sure. <laughs> Uh, the Aerotime reports the unnamed passenger, I'd probably keep my name hidden too, was <laughs> on a ride-along observation flight in the Raphael B fighter jet, which took off from someplace in France, uh, I'm assuming, at Saint... Saint-Didier. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> Airbase in late March. For some reason, the man's emergency ejection seat deployed, sending him through the canopy and away from the jet. I really feel sad for the guy because the canopy didn't blow, apparently. So he went through the canopy. Ow! That's I don't think that's hurt. a design feature. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. I, I, I don't know if the canopy is supposed to blow on this jet or not. Anyway, I'm sure the chat room will probably have lots to say about this. The article continues, after descending back to the ground via parachute, a good way to go, he was quickly taken to a local hospital for injuries. The man reportedly hurt his back upon landing, and I'd say his pride, on the runway. Ouch. But otherwise, okay. Meanwhile, the, pa the pilot managed to return the plane to the airbase and landed safely. Well done him. He suffered cuts on his hands due to glass from the canopy after it had been shattered by the passenger's untimely ejection, but was apparently no worse for wear. I, bet he, I bet he had a headache. <laughs> <laughs> and a backache, apparently. Yeah, and... yeah, I'm not at all surprised. Yeah. Uh, Car Carlos found the uh, the tie, by the way, while you were talking uh, uh, oh, nice. that story. There we are. Yeah. And there's a badge that you get as well, which I shall, I shall pop up in a moment, but... Uh... Yeah, and uh, Lane Street in the chat room has a great comment, which is, "Never mind the passenger. Poor pilot had to land without a canopy." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the sunroof on the jet. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's an optional extra. I'm sure many people would quite like um, what a roof. Yeah, well, you know, sort of a bit windy when you're. You know, well, this is it. I mean, seriously, I mean, that must have serious implications to the way that the thing handles if the roof has been taken off. Oh, yeah, you, you remember last last year, I think it was late last year, there was an Israeli uh, F-15 that landed with the, without a canopy. And it sounded like it was an emotional event. Mm. Uh, Nev, have you always fancied a, a sunroof in a, in a fighter jet? <laughs> well, no, uh, but uh, I don't really do that that kind of aviating. <laughs> right, okay. I'm pleased to say I'm more of a straight and level kind of guy. Right, sort of seat 1A type job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you could at all put it together. Oh, well, there we are. That, that, Surprise that is... not took off, you know, like um, parachuting and stuff, you know. There's some company somewhere that's going to start, you know, having flights where you can go up in a fighter jet and eject. Right. Probably not. It's not going to take um, off. I mean, not going to take it's off. It's expensive, it? I think, certainly. Uh, 
and I mean, and I've I've seen I've seen how expensive it is to go up in a two seater Spitfire over at Duxford. Oh, so, uh, blimey, can, yeah. You, you know, uh, you, you need to sort of you know take quite a hefty credit card with you if you're mm. going to do that. So I I can only imagine what you know twenty minutes in a in a jet fighter, you know, an F eighteen or something is going to cost you. Yeah, that that is quid. that is a type a of aircraft, quid. right? Yeah, yeah, right. it is, yes. Well done, Matt. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a proud day. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> his military knowledge is overtaking his commercial. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, that's entirely Armando's fault. He's been gently drip-feeding Massaging me. you with new yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There we are. Oh, you always train your replacement, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know he means flying replacement as well. I, I, I don't know what to do. Good luck with that, mate. Yeah, I, I really don't. <laughs> so, that, uh, so that is the the last military story for this week. Thank you, Armando. As always, yes. thank Good you, work. mate. Yeah, well yeah, done. No and uh, so, for those of you watching the show, we'll listen. We have Brian Coleman on the show, and uh, he's joined us this week. Uh, to join us as a guest host, but also because he's got some uh, interesting facts and stories to tell us about his uh, travels on uh, the Dreamliner because he's travelled on the Dash 10. Now, I've done the Dash 8 and Dash 9, but not the Dash 10. So, uh, so assuming a Dash 10 is a newer one. It's the longest version of the Dreamliner right. they do, okay. yeah. So, Brian. Is that like a stretch limo, only the aviation yeah. equivalent, right? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the only airline I believe in the world, certainly in the U.S., is my favorite beloved United Airlines, and they are flying all three variants of the 787, and I now have been on all three, so it was it, it was kind of fun. Um, so, so what's the difference be- be- between the three then? So, so if we take the the Dash Eight for example, what's the mm-hmm. uh, what? How does that compare to the Ten? What what is the difference? It's the, it's the smallest one. So I have some facts and figures here. So okay. the Dash Ten is eighteen feet longer than the Dash Nine, and it's thirty eight feet longer than the Dash Eight. Now. That might not seem like a lot. However, the Dash 10 can carry 66 more passengers than the Dash 9 and 99 more passengers than the Dash 8. So there's a tad bit of extra storage space for people, for these airlines to make money, and, of course, cargo as well. Mm, I do. do, do, Yeah. Matt's going to bring up. um, Matt's got the picture um, that uh, United, yeah. um, I think they put on their Twitter or Instagram feed not so long back with all the, the different variants lined up in front of um, the United hangar. They've got the Dash 8, the Dash 9, and the Dash 10 at the uh, top of the picture. Um, but uh, what was the uh, the 10 like then, Brian, as a, from the passenger experience? I'm, I'm guessing you didn't fly an economy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not. But, I, well, a little bit about United first. And... Uh, I think there's there's several things happening at United that I'd like to to talk about. And one of them, because I have been upgrading their passenger experience, which is great and well needed. Well, one and one of the things is the lounge at Los Angeles uh, International Airport. So they now have the uh, Polaris Lounge, and Polaris is the branding for the business class seats that are on this Dash 10 aircraft. And the lounge is really super nice, except you can only get into the lounge if you are traveling internationally on the, uh, or in Polaris class, which is unfortunate, but United's upgraded the, the regular lounge as well. So that's, that's nice. And you can get into to the lounge when you fly on the specific flights between Los Angeles and Newark and San Francisco and Newark. So United has special service called uh, PS or premium service 
Uh, and what's different about this aircraft versus other aircraft on the route is a, they're using this aircraft for certain select flights. So I went from Los Angeles to Newark, and typically this aircraft is reserved for international flights. So being on a domestic flight, that was unusual. The first class, business class product, the Polaris class product, I'll just call it Polaris from now on, um, is really special because they have new seats that they've been touting for three or four years now. So the seat is truly spectacular and a nice seat and it really gets united back up to the level of many international carriers that have a true first class product uh, maybe like nev's uh, much beloved uh, ba seat that that's going in the new triple seven x's so it's interesting being able to fly in a aircraft outfitted with Polaris seats. They also have another section of the aircraft called Premium Plus, and it's okay. a true Economy Plus section. And it's very confusing because United has a product called Economy Plus, but that's different. So Premium Plus is the sort of expanded area of economy where the seats are wider, there are fewer seats per row, there's a greater seat pitch. And if I refer to my facts and figures here, so the seat's 19 inches wide and it has a 38 inch seat pitch and they're in a 232 configuration. And Carlos, the very long way to get to the answer of your question is I sat in the premium plus section. So mm -hmm. I was not I was not upgraded. So although there are how many business class seats? There are 44 uh, business class seats in 11 rows of uh, Polaris class. My upgrade didn't clear. And it, it's really interesting how many of these seats United is actually able to sell. And I've been saying for a while that United needs to upgrade the aircraft from the Matt's favorite, the 757 <laughs> that they're flying to a larger aircraft. Because every time I go on these PS flights from Los Angeles to Newark, business class is always sold out. And so seeing an aircraft with 44 seats and also having it sold out as well, great for the airline, not so great for the passenger. But I was able to get into the premium plus uh, cabin for uh, no additional charge, and that that was definitely nice. So how how do they uh, how do the, how do that how does that different then? The, so the how does that differ to ordinary class then? The economy, the economy, mm -hmm. yeah. So there are there's one less seat per row. Okay. So again, it's in it's in the uh, two three two configuration, right? Uh, as opposed to a three three three, um, and the seat pitch. Is, they have a leg rest. The seat pitch is better on the flight. Uh, and because I was on relatively early, they're supposed to have different meal service on the plane, and they didn't have that. So we were served just regular economy food. And I kind of understand it in that I didn't pay any extra for it. They weren't selling the seat as these premium plus seats. So right. I was just fortunate enough when I chose my seat to choose a seat in the premium plus section. Okay. Um, but and you're supposed to get a um, an amenity kit as well, 
you know, with uh, eye shades and socks and yeah. hand lotion and whatever other stuff. Uh, <laughs> but they didn't do that on, on this flight. The entertainment system, the, the seatback screen is actually a little bit larger than regular economy. And again, on United in regular economy, there are two sections. There's economy plus where you have, uh, they advertise it as up to five inches of extra leg room. I've never seen C-Pitch with, with five inches. Maybe they're counting the emergency row in that, but the regular <laughs> section certainly doesn't. Uh, so you have more leg room. Other than that, everything else is, is the same. Oh, in the premium plus section, uh, you're supposed to have um, uh, complimentary alcoholic beverages as well which is nice, whereas in economy, you'd have to pay for them. Right. Well, that, that's, a, that's an advantage, at least. <laughs> so, like yeah, if it, yeah, if you choose to uh, consume alcoholic beverages, that's certainly nice having that in, oh, that, in that cabin. Too right. uh, but, but really being sectioned off in a little section, I've been saying this for a while, that the airlines are moving to a three-cabin configuration. Right. And the Premium Plus was indeed in a separate cabin. So it felt just like business class was. So, hmm. And again, I've been saying for a while that business class has now been renamed, or first class has now been renamed business yeah. class. I was going to say, actually, because you're saying the three classes, of course, and it, you know, it, yeah. they used to have business and first class. Now, I mean, Nev, they, 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 is, is that still a thing? Do you still get first class on, on a lot of BA's do, flights? Yeah. Or is it just... Um, it is, is it just business class now? Yeah, on, on the long haul sectors, you, there still is a first class section, but um, <clears throat> there's, I think there's a definite move away from that. And I think a lot of the newer uh, aircraft that are going to be um, rolled out uh, will be business, um, premium economy and economy, I would imagine. Right, uh, but there is right. still first class available on, on BA today. Trying to make the, 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 the differential differentiator though between them is difficult you can certainly do it on the price i mean it is extremely expensive to fly first class I will VA. Yeah. Um, and um trying to actually work out what the difference that the real difference is between that and uh, business class um well it would take a bit of doing to be honest with you but i was just going to ask you uh, brian what do you think that the um when they design these these aircraft, obviously with the, the different cabin configurations, <clears throat> they don't really know how the seats are going to sell, I guess, until they start operating the aircraft in revenue service. Um, obviously, they get some idea of the load factors, but you don't really know what you're going to get until you start operating this. I wonder if the um, uh, this this uh, the, the the premium section that you were talking about is that going to be quite a quite a popular um, cabin to be in? Do you think? Yeah, it's, I certainly think it will be. It's been long anticipated uh, across the entire fleet, having the new Polaris seats. And it's certainly disappointing when you get on an older 777-200, for example, that has the launch product, uh, the hard product. Uh, and those seats are well-worn and needed to be replaced a decade ago. And they're still selling them as a Polaris-class product and it's not uh being having to step over someone when you're in business class is really unimaginable <laughs> these days you, know, you talk about the difference in in first class versus business class certainly having direct aisle access is a huge part of that 
and the new Polaris class seats, although the density is much greater than first class, every seat has direct aisle access, which is a really, really nice feature. I think most first class passengers were traveling alone, therefore they didn't so much, uh, you know, you were really separated. The seat pitch was massive in, in many cases, where in business class, the density was always much, much greater. Um, but if you were traveling with someone and you wanted to have a conversation with them, it's really difficult, I find, in first class to do that. The business class seating was much more conducive to, to actually talking with your seatmate. Now with the direct aisle access, if you were traveling with, let's say, your spouse and you wanted to have a conversation with them, it's really difficult because the seats are, are offset and the ability to have direct aisle access really prevents you from uh, communicating with your uh, seatmate. Uh, certainly in the, the window aisle um, configuration, as, depending on how they do the seats on certain aircraft, the middle section, uh, it's more conducive to talking the way United does it on the Polaris seats. And Matt, did Carlos give you the URL that I sent over to him that shows some, some pictures of the, the seating? No, I think, I think that's, that's a no. no. Yes. Oh, oh damn. Uh, yeah, I sent over some nice pictures. Uh, Did you? The way right. United has it, <laughs> two seats will be somewhat together. The row behind them okay. will be split almost in a, a V shape. And then the two seats again will be close together. So you kind of have to choose your seat carefully if you're traveling with someone. Hmm. Uh, it, assuming, again, you actually want to talk with them. I, I mean, <laughs> there's always that guarantee that no, you don't really want to uh, to chat. Well, I, I, that's, I mean, yeah. I suppose it's different if you're you're flying with a wiper. I mean, I mean, Nev. I mean, obviously, you do a lot. Well, in fact, actually, both of you, you you both do sort of flying for work quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, do uh, well, I'll I'll ask that question to Nev first. Do you do you actually sort of interact with your fellow passengers, or or, or do you keep that down to a bare minimum? Well, I'm British, obviously, so you so know no, the answer excellent. to that straight right. away. Yeah, um, Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, it's like know, talking on the tube. Bit, it should be forbidden. Bit, or, or in an elevator, you know, you yeah. do not speak under any circumstances. No. I mean, I have done that occasionally, but not very often, I've got to say. So yeah. it's not a problem for me. Um, but, um, yeah, I would imagine that if you were traveling with your spouse or something like that, then you would want to speak with them. Or not, perhaps, because uh, you had an argument in well, the car on the way. Uh, what about uh, what about uh, you, um, uh, Brian? I mean, how how would you feel? Yeah, sort of, I, mean, I actually because you strike me as a very sociable uh, individual. You being know. a um, being a travel extrovert and introvert in in real life, but when I travel, uh, especially on business, I I really enjoy talking with my seatmate and finding out what they've done, and I've actually. Um, fostered some relationships okay. uh, business relationships and and it really proved to be a useful tool in my business career uh, um, you just meet really interesting people doing really interesting things going to places that you might not have thought about or working in industries that that you never would have considered before mm -hmm. so I actually miss the the communication and the isolation is um, yeah, I miss it. So, uh, just um, just uh, while while you've been chatting, I've been doing a little price hunting on the interweb. 
And um, price comparison. Yes, this, this price is, comparison. Yeah. And uh, I was just looking at researching flights, obviously, because me and Nev are off to Dubai in November for the air show. And I was just looking at if we were, if Nev was feeling kind of frivolous with the uh, with the credit card, with the Avios points, with the Avios points. <laughs> just if if we were, if me and Nev were to fly first class to uh, to Dubai. Oh boy, um, <laughs> with BA. And, okay. Um, it works out for me and Nev to fly first class from from London Heathrow to B. Uh, yeah, London. Yeah, London Heathrow to BA right. uh, to Dubai with BA in first class, just a smidgen over six grand, six thousand pounds. No, 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 for both of oh, us. Oh, right, okay. So, so three, three grand each. That's in first. That's in right. BA first. Okay, right. And I looked also uh, at United. Now, obviously, you can't fly direct from from Los Angeles to Dubai. Uh, so I just done a, a flight from LA to London Heathrow, right? Around the same time, so direct flight from London Heathrow uh, or L- Los Angeles to London Heathrow. This is on the Dash Nine Dreamliner with United, and um, for, for me and Nev, because uh, obviously we're going to fly from uh, uh, you're off to Los Angeles to, now. Are well, you? Well, oh, okay. yeah, oh, all right. Okay. We've, we've been to, we've been to see Brian yeah, come for a visit. Yeah, yeah right. We've been okay. to see we've been to see Brian, and we're now going to fly back. Um, okay. As well, and uh, for me and for me and Nev to fly in uh, in United's first class would uh, set us back in um, dollars. So we'll convert it in just a second. But in dollars, it would come up at twenty one thousand one hundred and eighty two dollars, which at today's exchange rate converts to sixteen thousand two hundred and ninety four pounds and. 38 pounds. I mean, on the plus side, Nev, I mean, those Avios points will be outstanding. I mean, there's... <laughs> you've got a lot of... Well, yeah, the, the tier points you could earn <clears throat> will be fantastic. Yes, but, uh, yeah, this is, that's, this is That's quite... Uh, money I mean, yeah. United must be... Their first-class product, uh, uh, Brian, must be one hell of a product for twenty-one over $21,000. No, I'd, I've only seen those prices on flights to Australia when there really was a true first class. I don't know what I'd, I'd really love to see what flight that is because I, there isn't an aircraft that I know of that flies from Los Angeles to London that has a true first class. Uh, so Yeah, this was, uh, let me just have a look. This is biz- business on the way. Yeah, business class on the way out and first class on the way. This is LA to London Heathrow, UA923, which is a 787-9 Dreamline. 10 hours, 35 minutes Right, non-stop. so they uh, yeah, see, that's wrong pricing because they don't have first class cabin yeah. on that. Oh. Yeah, they this only have business only, class seats. It's probably, so. it's probably the, the, um, the website I mean, they give us here Please don't UK. take this the wrong way, uh, Carlos, but uh, I don't care what it is, you're not going. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's taken a very long time for the Patreon, you know, yeah, coffers. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll need quite a few. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm new clicking on the review thing to, re- to revert that to economy. Oh, uh, right. To see okay. what that comes up with, with economy. Okay. Yeah, uh, maybe, what, between four to six hundred dollars? I'd imagine. Uh, here we go. So the, the economy just loading results. Well, this is riveting radio. I know. Isn't it? I what, know. What, what, <laughs> wait. What, what, while you're looking that up, I just wanted to talk about the routes that this aircraft is flying. Uh, because right now, domestically, again, it's just between Los Angeles and and Newark or San Francisco and Newark. Uh, it, really, all the flights internationally 
depart from Newark, which is really bad for me. Uh, so they're servicing uh, Frankfurt and Tel Aviv on March 29th. They will begin service to Paris and Barcelona. And then they will add flights to, it says to Dublin, but I find it really odd that they would actually fly this aircraft from Newark to Dublin. I wouldn't think that the uh, load factors would be high enough. Well, I think I think you might be surprised so. actually. Uh, you get yeah, a lot. You I'm get a lot of people that fly. Um, I, I I may be uh, wrong here. Somebody please correct me if I if I am. But I, I do know a lot of people who fly from say the UK to um, to Dublin to then do the pre. Um, what, what is, is, is it oh, the pre, immigration check, yeah the yeah. immigration check at dublin yep. because it's a much yeah, more straightforward nice. you know so so with really? that in mind a lot of people may choose that route purely because they can do the it'll save them so much time at the other end for the sake of a 45 minute flight from the uk to to dublin so uh, i i could see that working you know being quite a popular route uh, we're on it. We're on. We've got oh, the figures awesome. back. The figures are back. Are they right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, for for me and Nev to have, have a trip to Squansea Brian. Poor Nev, he's just trying to mind his own business. Look, I know, <laughs> poor Nev. So me and me and Nev are off to off to see Brian, and we've got return flights from Heathrow to LAX. Oh, lovely. In right. economy. Oh, oh. Uh, with oh, United. No. Oh no, Nev. <laughs> uh, it's um, one thousand six hundred dollars, which converts into one thousand two hundred and forty-one UK pounds. Wow. Is that because you did it one way? No, no, no. That's back. back that's to 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 come to see you and then fly back again. No, that's still really. Ex it has to be the day of the week. That's really expensive. <laughs> it 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 shouldn't be that much. I wouldn't pay that much. The other thing that I wouldn't pay for on this flight, uh, especially with United, is internet access. Oh. And internet access for one hour is eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. For two hours, it's sixteen dollars and ninety-nine cents, and for the full flight, it is twenty-four dollars and ninety-nine cents. And I find that just appalling because uh, usually it doesn't work. And pay and, and really, when I'm on the plane, I really want to disconnect and um, not be Nev's worst nightmare and talking to him. And um, <laughs> you know, I'll spend the rest of my time and just look out the window. Indeed, uh, yeah. Which, which, frankly, is the best in-flight entertainment you could possibly imagine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Staring out of the window, uh, unless you're like me, where you're you're grabbing onto the armrest, closing your eyes, and hoping this thing will hurry up and land. I, I'm uh, the one but, sitting there uh, yeah. with, my, with my tablet watching air crash investigation. Yeah, which is just weird, <laughs> frankly. I just I see, why? What's what's wrong with you? Uh, I, was, I was watching this afternoon, actually. Was it? Yeah. Uh, Two episodes back to back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sorry, boys and girls, uh, but it is time to start. Oh, okay. uh, wrapping up is so, there anything else you want to add brian before we uh, we we start to close up no just uh, i'm really happy that united's flying the dash 10 is, uh, domestically so i have had a chance to to fly on it without leaving the country that was awesome it's a great aircraft with all the benefits that the 787 comes to bring with the uh lower cabin pressure, the higher humidity, the huge storage bin. So we saw in, in the other story about having them, you know, four across and you could actually get a lot of hand luggage up there. That part's really nice. Uh, it, it's, it's really nice aircraft. So I'm very happy to see United add it to the fleet. I wish it was available in more uh, 
airports than really just being hubbed out of out of Newark. I, I find that really unfortunate. But I think as they take more delivery of these aircraft, they'll they'll expand it. So I was very very pleased with the 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 service. Um, Oh, one of the things since since Carlos is so concerned about getting up in in business class, uh, <laughs> a, a suggestion, a recommendation, um, row number one and row number eleven, I'd actually avoid because of noise from the lavs and the uh, galley. So there's okay. there's a bit of noise there. However, just uh, and keep it clean, guys. But. There is one handicap lav on the aircraft that is huge. It's massive. You you can easily roll a wheelchair into this lav, and it, I, with the shrinking lavs on all other aircraft, and I think Nev can probably uh, confirm that that some of the new ones you can barely turn around in them. They are so incredibly small. So to see something so massive on this aircraft, that was that was definitely a, a, a nice addition. I was I was happy to see it. I didn't know um, But one thing that I wanted to point out before you, you kick me off the air and do the final <laughs> credits, there's, there, there, there's been the church steeple that's, oh. that's been sitting next to me. Um, it's a, made out of Legos. I'm not, let's see if you can see it there. Truly Legos. Uh, this is a model of a church that is in Hamburg, Germany. The company that I've been working with doing uh, the 3D work. Uh, the product's been released, and there are two websites now. One is called Craftplicator, and the other is called Brickplicator. And we take either files from the game Minecraft or any 3D file and turn it into a build plan so you could build the item out of Lego. And so oh. we, we imported this church into the game of Minecraft, uh, colorized it, added a whole bunch of really cool features to it, and then... Built it with Lego, so just wanted to I, I, do a little commercial here with. I uh, definitely, definitely need that that, that in my <laughs> life. Cool. That's yeah. that, that, is, that is pretty cool. Uh, look, guys, we're going to have to start wrapping up. Uh, not least because it's uh, Good Friday here, and uh, Mother is cooking downstairs. Yeah, I can smell the smell. I had to in shut here the is, studio door. We've cause... had to shut the studio door because it's so hot in here. Because it's you know the temperature went above five degrees, so it's like an oven in here now. Uh, but uh, Mum's cooking hot cross buns, uh, which is nom, nom, lovely. Nom, nom, uh, you know, nom, nom, very nom. very topical. But uh, it's. Uh, driving us bananas uh, frankly so we need to go and eat those so that is um. <laughs> where we are going to bring the show uh, to a close but before we go don't forget uh, for those of you watching we are having our big PTUK and plane safety podcast meet up at Duxford Aviation Museum uh, on the 12th of May that's Sunday the 12th, the 12th of yep. May on the Sunday uh, for those of you guys who are, we're going to see there hope to see loads of you there mm. um, I know we're all looking forward to it very much and, yep. and fingers crossed the weather will be amazing because I know it will be because we're there so it's going to be good so uh, join us there so uh, before we wrap up say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room all the guys and girls in the chat room been having a mass discussion in there this evening all good to see you in there and a big hello to all the new there's a few new people I see in the chat room uh, today as well so good to see you guys and girls in there so uh, thank you and not forgetting as well everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast Mm. as well thank you very much to you guys as well absolutely so, guests, Brian, thank you uh, for joining oh, us on so the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's good to, good to have you back on. And uh, Armando, always good to have you on the show. Our uh, awesome, illustrious host as well. 
Thank you for joining us this evening. Anything, anything nice planned this week, uh, Armando? Flying. Well, um, it's, uh, I'm glad, glad that I made it through the entire show because uh, we are under a tornado warning here in this part of North Carolina oh, wow. and South Jeez. Carolina. Okay. Um, happy, happy day. So that, <laughs> that, being, <laughs> that being said, though, yes, I, uh, as long as the weather clears up and it holds out tomorrow, um, Miss Megan, uh, Dr. Steph, and I are planning on taking an arrow oh, up wow. to lunch. Um, so hopefully we'll, we can get that flight in. Yeah. Go out there for lunch. And then, uh, probably the, the bigger news is we have our PTUK media credentials approved for Oshkosh. So we'll have the the backstage pass and we'll be, uh, back with the band. Yeah. Can't wait. That's that's good. I'm looking forward to that. He's got his uniform to wear and everything as well. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't, he doesn't have to wear it though. I should just stress. Bless him, if he wants to wear something a little less conspicuous. Uh, and Brian, up to anything much this week? Sorry. Uh, just some house projects. And then instead of an Easter dinner, going to go over to some friend's house and have an Easter lunch. So kind of oh, looking forward to that. Yeah, haven't absolutely. haven't seen this group of friends in, in a while. So Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to catching up. Indeed. Now, Nev, you, you've got, you're uh, visiting the mother-in-law. Yes, that'll be tomorrow. And uh, then on Thursday of next week, I'm off to Budapest for hey, a few days, As uh, you do. For work. Yes. And uh, I've never been uh, there before. So I'm no, looking indeed. forward he's, to that. He's, he's had Very to give his apologies indeed, for so. next week as well. Yes. yes. yes oh, just, just you three yes, of us so next week yeah, then. Absolutely. And uh, Carlos, where are you off to? Mother and father-in-law's tomorrow. Oh, lovely. I oh. know. That'll be good. Excellent. Yeah. Anything else? Be Stop it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Because we're off work, aren't we, Monday? I know. So, um, yeah, I thought I might do a lot of nothing. Oh, oh right. Okay. My favourite. Wash the TriStar van, I think. Oh, dear. Right. Okay. Uh, muck out Gemma's car. Right. You know, the usual. <laughs> wow. What about you, Matt? What have you got planned? <laughs> uh, no, not a lot. We're just... Uh, I've got a barbecue here tomorrow. Oh! Uh, I know. So I've got uh, my best friend, uh, the long-suffering Jill, and uh, their dog, Grouse, who you met earlier, because uh, uh, I'm looking after their dog while they're away in Portugal uh, from next Saturday. Mm. Um, so we're just sort of seeing how Alfie and, and Grouse get on, because uh, Grouse is new to the family, uh, just to sort of see how he gets on with Alfie. And basically, earlier today, they sort of nothinged each other which is is uh, fine by me frankly just so they could just sort of manage but no that that really is that really is it so uh, Carlos if you'd like to uh, do the honors and close up please yeah so that's it for episode number 265 of the show have a great easter break and holiday if you've got time off enjoy the weekend take care and uh, from me Carlos and here in the studio it's goodbye and uh, everybody else it's time let's say in unison it's time to say goodbye goodbye everyone bye 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 everyone bye. fly safely 